episode something of the feminine critique but episode one of 2019 of the feminine critique so there my count somehow i'm emily i'm christine we're starting over that's right start fresh new year new us we're throwing it all out and we're bringing new stuff in and i'm gonna start not eating food and then i'll get sad and eat it again Oh, I don't know. Depressing. What do people do this time of year? Do you, do you, I don't like, think I understand the any new resolutions. Year? Are you like an anti? I well, I get I and I respect people who do, and I I get the whole like fresh start mm-hmm. idea. But like, I could fresh start tomorrow. You could, like, but I it's don't so need... much. There's something about the energy of a new year to me. Uh, and I think to a lot of people in the world, which is why I think a lot of people do it, there's something about the energy of knowing. <laughs> so it's just me then. No, no, okay. no, no. I think for me, I feel that sort of peer pressure justification that goes around. <laughs> where, no, I get that. Yeah, like, it's, you know what it is? And part of it, I think, for me is, like, the calendar. Like, I, I have a day calendar, I have a wall calendar, and I have a planner. And this year I have a planner. I haven't had a planner in a few years, but Christine, new year, new me. I have a planner. New you. That's right. And there's something about like, okay, I am going to force myself to put things in this. I don't know. I find um, this is very new for me. It's like the last two years I've started to make resolutions because what I do, I do like there's two key things I do. One is I break them up by like, you know, health, um, motivation, work habits, creative habits, like friendship. Like I kind of like separate them out. So I have like little things to focus on. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I try to make them very specific. So like at work, my new resolution at work, one of them is um, don't let any like little, like if an email comes in rather than mark it unread and like get back to it at the end of the day, like deal with it within the chunk of time that I have it open so that I am like not (laughs) wasting time by delaying something that I have to get back to when I'm wasting that time that I could have just gotten it done then. Um, Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's been two days and so far I'm doing great. So. Well, good for you. You've got some momentum building. I try. Um, I know some people do like movie resolutions. Do you do anything like that? Yeah. Um, no, I already put way too much pressure on myself all the time as it is. Yeah, you So do. if anything, my resolutions would just be, like, to be more forgiving. I if, like, like I don't feel like watching a movie for a couple days, mm-hmm. then that's okay. Yeah. I like that. I tried a couple <laughs> years ago. My, like, I thought I had, like, a really good specific one, which was I'm going to watch one Kurosawa film a month. Because I really hadn't seen any Kurosawa films. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, like, oh, his films are really long. And they're good, they but are. it's hard to find that time once a month to do. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, so that was mm-hmm. that was like five years ago, and that's been the last movie resolution I've made. Uh, yeah, I think you're a good movie watcher. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't feel guilt about like 
I mean, we always talk about that, like, you know, like, oh, guilty pleasures or whatnot. Like, no, it's rare that I ever feel, um, oh, I could be watching this great movie and instead I'm watching a Murder, She Wrote episode. Like, I have no um, pride. Like, that's fine to me. I think when it comes to movie watching and reading, um, I think I've accepted, Mm -hmm. like, I'm at a point where I'm never going to read Ulysses, so I'm going to stop pretending like I'm going to one day and that every time I read, um, like, a random short paperback that that's bad because I'm not reading this book I'm supposed to read. No. Exactly. Like, look, do you want me to watch All Stars 2 for the ninth time? No, I don't care. I'm going to do it anyways. Um, So we should tell everybody what we're covering and then we need to talk about All Stars. Uh, So All Stars 4 is what we're covering. All Stars 4, Oh, no, we're... We're Why talking not? about the Haunting of Hill House television mm-hmm. show yes. on Netflix. Yes, and everybody by now has probably watched it. Uh, if you're gonna watch it, you've probably watched yes. it. Yes, and because I mean, it came, premiered what in October, right? It was kind of a Halloween release. I think, yeah. I think uh, so. Yes, and I mean, everybody, as you all know, everybody on your social media feeds has talked about nothing else for the last few weeks. Uh, and we're going to go full into it, so we will be spoiling things. Um, we are not going to talk... So if you haven't watched it, right, then don't you listen should. to that. Yes. Just wait nine hours, probably, in total is probably what that runtime is, and come back to us. Uh, we had flirted with the idea of also covering both film adaptations. We're not going to do that. Unless, I mean, they no. might come up in conversation, but we are not specifically talking about those. Uh, I yeah. think it's smart I agree. By us. Because I also, I don't know about you, I have a lot of recent watches because it's been a good, like, month and a half since we recorded. I'm going to try to power through, but yeah, I have a lot. Uh, I should say it's not the month and a half since we recorded. It's a month and a half since we recorded a standard traditional episode because obviously um, most of you know the last month and a half you were getting stocking stuffer episodes, quite a few of them. So that was a lot of what I was watching, but not all by any means. So if you don't like this Hill House and you don't like Christmas movies, then I think you've unsubscribed to this podcast. <laughs> that is a very good point. Please come back. We, I mean, well, they're not going to hear us, so fuck you. <gasps> no. For abandoning oh, us. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. So before <laughs> we talk about Hill House and before we talk about movies we've been watching, Christine, All Stars 4, RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes. Um, so All Stars 3 was a shit show, in my opinion. It was just a mess. Um, yeah. I don't think the right person won. Mm-hmm. And even though the person that should have won left, I still don't think the right person won, even in that person's absence. I think the right person... I don't know why person... I'm trying not to spoil I know. All Stars I, 3. Yeah, I guess... Um... <laughs> I think the the right yes the right person removed herself from competition. Then the next right person was unfairly denied a spot in the final lip sync off. So thank you. Yeah. So Shangela should have won when Bendela left. Won. Oh my god, yeah. I mean, it should have come down to Shangela and Bendela Creme. That would have been awesome. And I mean, of all the drag queens, Shangela is probably having the best career post Drag Race, or one yes. of the best careers. One of the best. Easily, easily yes. top five, like, actual mainstream career. Mm-hmm. She's um, the Christian Siriano so, of RuPaul's Drag Race. Exactly. You know what's up. Mm-hmm. I have been enjoying All Stars 4 so far. Definitely an improvement. Um, I like that there have there were only two Caucasian queens to mm-hmm. start with. It's so that cool. will almost, almost definitely ensure... 
um, a queen of color, considering there hasn't been an all-star of color yet. Well, that being um, said, I think the front runner by quite a margin <gasps> is is a Caucasian. Trick? You think? Tri- um, sorry, Trinity. Oh. Trinity is has been killing it. Uh, I think so too, but I listen to a couple Drag Race podcasts that do not feel that way. Really? Yeah, that which is weird me. because I. Right now, my top three or top, I don't know if they're going to do a three or four, but if they do a top three, my top three is Trinity, Manila, and um, Valentina. If nobody does anything weird, like doesn't know the words to their yeah. song and wears a I mask. Mean, I, I love Latrice and I want to see Latrice go far. So I think Latrice could, I, I feel like she's she could make it. I'd probably say Latrice, Trinity, and I guess Valentina, but that's got to really depend, yeah. I think. On, I mean, obviously, you know, it's a week-to-week thing. Anything can happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think to me right now, like, Trinity has killed it every week. And just has really shown herself to be a every-angle queen. She mm-hmm. is funny. She is stylish. She can do makeup. She can dance. She can, she can do everything. Which I don't know that you can say that about any of the other queens up there at the same level. Valentina can sing. Valentina can dance. Valentina can be funny, or she can be a train wreck. Uh, Latrice she can be a, can be a lot of things, wreck. but yeah. we saw this week at the Snatch Game, Latrice isn't necessarily a, you know, A1 queen at times. So, I don't know. I don't know. One of and the you know, worst Snatch Games I've oh, ever you know, seen. It was painful. Here's the other dark horse, I think, who has a shot at the top three and who I would love to see up there, Naomi Smalls. <gasps> I love Naomi so I much, but she's her. been kind of middling for me so See, far. I think a few things. I think a um, she has. I love her attitude because it's rare on dragway on dragways. It is very rare <laughs> that you have a queen who is genuinely like positive and like warm and seems to be really like thankful and respectful of everyone around her. And I thought the sweetest thing was on episode one, when she realized that Latrice and Manila were there and she was like, I'm so excited to get to, um, you know, work with these Queens who I've really, really respected and worshiped for the last couple of years. Like she really seems to respect people around her who are talented. And I, that makes me really like her. Um, and I, I don't know. I think she's quietly been really good at this whole season so far. So I think she could, uh, she could be a dark horse. I would not be mad at that at all. Mm-hmm. I really like her, especially in, I mean, that was a great top three that she was a part of. Uh, yeah, I think I can't, so. sometimes I, think I forget four, when I they do, do threes and do fours. Too. That was, a, so I'm, I'm fine with it. The only person I didn't like was Gia and she's gone now. Oh, spoiler. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's a good mix of Queens. It's been, it's been good. I've been really enjoying this season so far. Yeah, me too. All right. So I will say that Valentina's last, Valentina's redemption lip sync was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. And we've watched it like 400 times. Oh yeah. No, there's been some good lip syncing. I've been digging it, digging it all. I've been enjo- enjoying it as yeah. well. All right. So that's our drag race update. <laughs> all right. So tell me what else you've been watching. <laughs> Just drag. No, we did watch a lot of drag race, but I've watched other things. That's okay. Um, so I'm going to cut some stuff out that I don't even want to talk about. But we went to the theater a long time ago when we saw Widows. Oh, I don't. I, this is yeah, the one with Steve um, McQueen, Michelle Rodriguez and Viola Davis. Yes. Right. Yeah. What did you think? It looked great. 
It was good. Okay. But this is one of this could be one of those things because Gillian Flynn co-wrote it. Ah, okay. It could be one of those things where my expectations were fucking through the sure. roof and it was just like good and I was like, "Oh." But I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't like it was a heist movie. It had like a little twist. I guess it's based on some like 80s television movie or like limited series of like women pulling off a heist i don't care this is kind of like what i said with oceans eight i don't care do an ensemble cast of ladies doing stuff it was it was above average but like i felt a little like let down Mm. but i wouldn't discourage anybody from watching it i mean that that was a movie that you looked at the trail you looked at that on paper you're like oh whoa viola davis michelle rodriguez um who's the other woman in it there's another female, um, right? Maybe yeah, not. there's a slender, whitish late, well, white lady whose name I don't know, and then there is an awesome black lady who is in another movie that is on my list. I do not know her name, and I don't have IMDb <laughs> open. Yet. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, Liam like, Neeson, Joe Berenthal, oh. Michelle Rodriguez. Oh, Carrie Coon is in it. For yeah. A Robert Duvall, like, my God, that cast is insane. Uh, And then you have Steve McQueen directing, and you have Gillian Flynn writing. So, like, man, yeah, that's got a high, high bar to reach. Um, Like, Zach saw the trailer, and he sent it to me. He's like, you have to watch this trailer. And he said, I think you're going to cry. And then I watched the trailer, and I cried. Like, I was so geared up for it. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, I'll get to it It when it comes on video. Yeah, I, I definitely do recommend it. So here's another movie that everybody fucking hated, and I don't understand why. Um, Happy Time Murders? Oh, yeah. you know, I know some people that liked it, and I it made me really curious of maybe I'll like this. I haven't watched it yet. I liked it. I mean, obviously, it wasn't perfect, mm-hmm. but, like, I thought there was some really good stuff in it. Mm-hmm. It was, was, it, was genuinely it funny? funny. Did you laugh? thought there were some funny parts for sure go. and i like melissa melissa mccarthy melissa is McCarthy. so funny to me yeah me too we've talked about this before i find her hilarious i think she's great so yeah you might like it and it's like a brian henson production like which is pretty cool yeah they're it's like they're actual muppets which is fantastic mm-hmm. um i liked it a lot i know people hate it but i mean critics hated it uh, but it seems like I wonder if this is going to be one where, like, in a couple years, it kind of gets a reevaluation from the masses. I, I I hope so. I don't know. It was good. If you if if it comes in a way that you mm-hmm. can see it, okay, take a look at it. You could easily split it into parts too. Got it. That's good to know. There's no overarching narrative that you're. Gonna I'm not going to break the momentum. <laughs> no. Rob myself of an emotional uh, journey. You'll be fine. Good. <laughs> um. This is on Hulu, I think. Sorry to bother you. Oh, yes, it is on Hulu. Um, So it's not my recommend, but if you have access to Hulu, you should watch it. It is a fucking bananas, bizarre movie, and I loved it. Cool, cool. I've heard good things. It is, it's weird, hmm. and I loved it. So It's that's showing up on some people's best of lists now. I could see that. Yeah. For sure. It's fucking strange. It's a strange movie. Um. So on, geez, was this really Thanksgiving? On Thanksgiving, I went to see Robin Hood. Oh my um, God, you're the one. I I went. It was me. I fell asleep during this movie. <laughs> so this is a movie that I've seen the trailer for for I think two years. Yep. Yeah. It. I look. I don't know. I don't know who this movie was for. 
that was what I wondered when I saw the trailer. <laughs> I felt justified uh, how many worst of lists, even though I, I don't love me a worst of list, mm-hmm. but like I was like, yeah, this belongs on a worst of list. Was it just boring or was it bad? Or was um, it bad because it was boring? It just looked boring. It was bad me. because it was bad because it was boring. Like, what is that? Eggsy from um, Kingsman is beautiful and attractive and fantastic. But, like, he didn't do anything. And Jamie Foxx was super, like, superfluous in it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Like, it didn't do anything. What I don't fall set? asleep in movies. Is it set in modern times or, like, in... no. Okay, it's olden days times. But is it like olden days with like uh, that, like that Heath Ledger movie where it's modern music, or did they just really not oh, know how to advertise this movie? That's really what I was going to describe it as. It's kind of like a Knight's Tale. A Knight's Tale. That's it. It, it, it not so deliberately because Knight's Tale was like deliberate. They yes. were like, "Look, we're going to fucking blow your mind." Yeah, with we're this. using Queen. This... Deal with it. Yeah, I don't think it was like that. Because in oh, now we're going to talk about Night's Tale for an hour. In Night's Tale, like they they actually like dance to I think a David Bowie song. Um, there's no like music in this universe, like modern music in okay. this universe. So it's kind of like a cop out. Like they wanted to be edgy. They didn't want to use like ancient parlance. Like they wanted mm. to talk like normal and be like normal. So they do that, but and, it's set in like the 1500s or something. Yeah, like in Robin Hood times. Okay. I mean, like, I'm saying that's stupid. I mean, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves kind of does that in a way just because it has Kevin Costner who just talks like he's Kevin Costner. But I don't care because yeah. it's Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and it's vastly entertaining to me. This does not seem like it entertained anybody. It's not entertaining at all. It's okay. I, There's not one interesting or redeeming interesting. thing about that movie. Um, I watch Girlfriends of Christmas Past, but you can listen, <laughs> we to, don't that, listen yes, to that we podcast here. Let's talk about that for an hour. Um, the Nun finally came out ah. in a way that I could see it. So, did you were you as confused as I was about who the hell Thaisa Farmiga was supposed to be? How is she not Vera, no. Vera Farmiga in that movie? I don't know, but my mom was too. I wasn't confused okay. by that. Me and your mom um, are of the I same think, wavelength. I think it's because I knew like that the she wasn't Maybe like it, she, they just cast it. her yeah. what did you think yeah. of the nun i was really i thought it had a strong start and i was yeah. hopeful and then it really fell off a ledge mm. yeah i was middling I, you, on it i thought it had some good sequences and some good kind of atmosphere but ultimately kind of fizzles it squand it squandered a lot of what it built up yeah. which was a bummer Agreed. Um, I will. I will probably forget about it in a yes, couple weeks. Yes, agreed. Um, I watched um, Psycho, Psycho, oh. and seventy-eight fifty-two. I think is the name of it, which is a documentary that I think is on Hulu about oh. the shower scene in Psycho. Oh, yes. Because I was on an episode of the Projection Booth. Nice about. I've downloaded it, but I have not listened to it yet. I forgot that you were on that. I will bump that up. I am. Hey, everybody, if you want to listen to that, I'm on it. But I will. I don't recommend the. I we've talked about this. I don't recommend the other Psycho. Obviously, Psycho Prime is a good movie. Um, This documentary, you would think that talking about one scene would be fucking boring. It's a really good documentary. Neat, neat. 
So that's a documentary recommend from me. Now, do, um, um, quick question. Do you guys talk about... Have you watched Bates Motel? Um, I have watched a shocking amount of it, but I don't remember any of it because I didn't really like it. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, I adore it. I think it, it gets better every season. And between Vera Farmiga and Freddie Highmore, like the two of them elevate that show so yeah. much by the end of it. Uh, I watched the first season. I remember parts of it. And then I started the second season, but I did that thing where I was like, not really present. Like I would sure. be doing something or I would pick up my phone. Like I didn't actually commit to it. And I think that colored my feelings. Fair. Fair. I do recommend the show. I think it's on Netflix now. So, well, see, you recommending it makes me want to look at it, it again. Here, and here's the thing about it is that it it improves every season. And the main thing, and everybody feels this way, that the the flaw of the show is that it doesn't understand the best thing about your show is Vera Farmiga and Freddie Highmore. Every single other character is such a waste of attention because you're like, no, 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 camera, go back to them. And yeah. it takes a little bit of time for the show to understand that and for the stories to kind of work in a way where they are the focus. Um, mm-hmm. But everybody else also gets better. Like the show basically starts to lose all the other characters as you go through it. And so by the end, it really, like, and what it does with the last season is the psycho season. And it flips a bunch of things. Um, Rihanna plays Marion Crane and what they do with their characters is really neat. Uh, and it's, it's great. And I mean, Vera Farmiga, I think, gives one of the best performances I've ever seen on TV. Uh, so I do urge you to give it give it another chance. But know that it's just going to keep getting better. Okay. All right. Well, that, I mean, that's really, that's a good endorsement. Yep. Uh, maybe eventually. Okay. Um, if I'm not going to talk about them, but if you'd like to listen to us talk about them, I watched UHF and Body Double again. <gasps> We've covered both those shows. I mean, both those movies on this show. Wait, wait, we covered talk. Body Double? You said UHF? Yeah. We never covered UHF. I am almost positive we did. No, I mean, I've, I talk about it like every three days probably, <laughs> but we never did it as an episode. Are you sure? Yes. I mean, you would probably I mean, I, I, I have this written down somewhere. Um, no, I mean, I love UHF, so I probably, because I probably have it on, like, had it on, like, my best of list, and I'm sure it's come up. Do you love this movie as much as I do? Yeah, I, maybe I saw Into the Future and saw us Well, we know what we're doing next episode. I swear we've talked about it. No, I think I've even, like, so one of my failed resolutions of last year that is once again a resolution of this year is that, oh, I need to do a promo for our show because I've never recorded one. And one of my ideas was, oh, I'm going to find that sound clip of when Kevin McCarthy says to Fran Drescher, broads don't belong in broadcasting and use that in our promo. But I've just never gotten around to doing that. So maybe you, like, knew that, like, psychically, that that was always my plans. Maybe that's how. I mean, maybe you've said that. And I just like internalize it in a weird way. Possibly, I would have bet fucking money. That <laughs> you would have that, lost but... fucking money. <sighs> well, whenever you want to. Okay. Um, I mean, again, I I talk about this movie every other day, probably on average, or yeah. I quote it, or make some Conan the Librarian reference one way or another. I I love it too. Um. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll have to file that away. Yes. Um. 
I rewatched Hurricane Heist, which I cannot, I can't endorse <laughs> enough. I love this movie so much. Everyone should watch it. Nice. Uh, went to the theater and saw The Favorite. Oh, oh, what did you think? Is, I haven't seen it yet. Is it as good as, as, as I want it to be? It, yes, it is. Nice. But I will say I liked Killing of a Sacred Deer better, which I is now still those Killing are the only two deer. of his movies I've seen. Okay. Killing of a Sacred Deer is probably one of my favorite movies of the last 10 years. And the yeah, more I, so the good. further away I get from it, the more I think of, fondly of it. Yeah. This is really good, though. I'd like to hear I look forward your thoughts. To um, so this is funny. We were just talking about this in the Facebook group about Shudder. Yes, the, the yes. streaming application mm-hmm. Shutter. So we had Shutter for I gosh since October, but we we found that we weren't using it very much, so we kind of just canceled it. But okay. one of the last things we watched is a Shutter exclusive called "You Might Be the Killer." Oh, Night of Living podcast just covered this. Um, I think I'm going to go listen to it. Mm-hmm. I like it was not perfect by any stretch. Mm-hmm. I liked it so very much. Neat. I thought about it for like days afterwards, and oh, that doesn't happen that often anymore. Sure, yeah, yeah. I guess I need to get Shutter. I just feel angry that I have to pay for another streaming service. I know, and that's why we we kind of were like, "What are we not using?" Because we yeah. don't we we don't use everything that we have, so right, we had to right. kind of cut it down. Hi. But I liked it a lot. So there you go. There's something that you could go watch. Okay. Um, I don't know if you watched Dumplin', but I watched <gasps> Dumplin'. Yes, I watched Dumplin'. What did you think of Dumplin'? I liked it a lot more than I expected. I am actually sort of pro Jennifer Aniston. Oh, she's so great. she is very in a weird way. She's kind of an underrated actress, I think, because she is really good at um, <laughs> at something that looks really easy. Yeah. And she was good in this. Like, she was. Just yeah. straight up good. Yep, yep. She was dislikable enough yeah. to be the character, but also extremely likable. Yes. So. Yes. Um, um, but I, I did I did like it a lot. And Ginger Minch is in it. And that's yes. pretty much what put it over the top for me to watch mm-hmm. it. Um, th- that was yeah, a movie that like pretty... It? Okay, let's, let's take, step, take a step back for a minute. So oh, Netflix okay. puts out a movie that has... Drag queens, um, a str- uh, beauty pageants. Um, mm-hmm. a, it was literally made for you. A, a deep story about like female friendship. It is focused on a teenager who's super confident but super not confident and who's overweight. Oh, and if that's not enough, let's set it to the music of Dolly Parton and have Dolly Parton be a major plot point throughout the movie. Yeah, yeah this movie, like they talk about Netflix algorithms. Right. And how like, oh, Netflix is so good at like figuring you out, figuring out the people and making content that's just so specific. Yeah. Netflix did that to me with Dumpling because this movie was yeah. it was as if somebody was like, what's a movie that Emily wants but didn't know she wants? Oh, OK. <laughs> here. Here it is for you. I loved this movie so much. I think when I saw it and then read what it was about i think i even said oh boy this is an emily movie <laughs> it's so it so is. is yeah yeah because um, it's like that one movie that i think we did on the show who knows anymore um the kirstie alley movie what the, I oh god dropped it dropped gorgeous. gorgeous yes i'm not that it was like that but like just reading the description made me think of that right you know? right and i mean i love 
beauty, like I love beauty pageants. I I find beauty pageants really fascinating and and get, that they can be really fun. Um, I watched it when I was a kid. I think I've told you. I probably mentioned it on that episode. That's how I learned my states. <laughs> my sister and I had recorded <laughs> Miss 1986 Teen USA, and like she used to quiz me, and she'd be like, "Miss Jennifer Tilly from Baton Rouge," and I'd say Louisiana, and that's how I learned my fifty states. That's so yeah. funny. Yeah, but Dumpling, oh, I you. really like. I feel like that is a movie for mothers and daughters and. I think because it really like it's really positive ultimately. Like it it could have yeah, gone mean is. so many times and it doesn't. Um, it re- like even like there's a character like, there's the blonde character who like you think like oh she's gonna be a bitch no she's not she's just another beauty pageant contestant like it really is just about this girl who has um, this you know kind of had this confidence instilled in her except she is still a chubby girl. Uh, living in a world where you still have doubts about yourself, even if you know that Dolly Parton says this and I can do this. Um, I found it really touching. I found it really authentic feeling. Um, I cried a lot in a good way. Yeah, I loved this movie. And I mean, it's my Netflix recommend, um, obviously. (laughs) But I seriously, like, I think... Very much, I was like telling like a woman I work with, I'm like, oh, you have a daughter, watch this with her. And I've told like three other, I know I told Jason to watch it and he watched it. Um, I just keep recommending it to people and everybody that's watched it's like, oh yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. I'm like, did you cry? They're like, yeah. Yeah. It is really good. And you're right. It doesn't fall into those, those tropes that you think it would. Like everybody's really, like in the end, like everybody's like good. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's genuine. Yeah. And, um, the the non-binary girl in it is mm-hmm. one of her. my favorite actresses. She's awesome. Um, she's great. It was great. Yeah. I liked it a lot. And the other the other bigger girl um, was in the <gasps> TV hairspray. Shut up. Yeah. Yes, she was my literally my favorite part. She is wonderful. She was so amazing. And I love because what they do, and this is something like you know you see in a lot of movies, is you have one chubby character and that's it. You can't have another one. And I love that this movie, you have two, and they're totally different people. And I really like how they do that, where you have um, the main girl, uh, Willa Dean, who's, you know, kind of sarcastic and, you know, is coming to this with a, oh, beauty pageant sucks, so that's why I'm going to enter it, because I'm going to show how how awful they are. And then you have the other girl who's like, oh, because you entered it, I'm entering it, because I can see now that you can do it, but... I really always wanted to do that. Like and I genuinely want to yeah, do that. Yeah, and it's she so was sweet. my she was my favorite character yeah. for sure. And then Kathy and Jimmy is her mom. Oh, I know it yeah. was so good. Everything I wanted in a movie is right there. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. If it had killer dolls, that would have tipped it over. I'm not gonna lie, but still. Oh no, I think they might have been out of place. Honestly, <laughs> it's a deleted scene. <laughs> it's the Emily's director cut. I just edit it myself and put in a throw in a scene of dolls or cats. Oh my. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm glad you liked it. I did. I wouldn't have known what to do with the world if you, if you didn't. <laughs> All right, what else you have? Uh, saw the new Spider-Man movie. Oh, what'd you think? I loved it. It was great. People seem to like it quite a bit. It's it's really really good. That's good. Um, I cried through like ninety percent of Aww. it, but I have I have emotional problems. So could be like. <laughs> <laughs> um, watched a little movie called The Princess Switch. Again, yes, you did. You have any, any interest in hearing about that? There's mm-hmm. a whole episode about there it. There is. <laughs> I watched Bad Times at the El Royale. 
Okay, what I I know this movie. What is this movie? Oh, oh, um, okay. With Cynthia Irvio. Um, what did you think of this? I thought it was boring and predictable, and it's been uh-huh. on some people's best of lists. And I don't understand. I want them to sit and explain it to me like I'm a child. Um, this movie is told crazy out of order, but like for no real reason. Mm-hmm. Like it keeps like it like. It, it does itself a disservice because it's an interesting enough story, I guess. It doesn't need to be told out of order. I'll say this about another movie. It doesn't need to be told out of order. I don't really like that. Have you noticed that that's a real thing? Yeah, no, and I think um, it's a cheap trick when it's unnecessary. And I felt like it wasn't necessary. The cast was really good. John Hamm's in this. I love Chris Hemsworth. Um, Dakota Johnson was actually really good in it. Uh, but like, and then the woman whose name I can't think of and still don't have IMDb open, who was in Widows, is 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 in this too. She's one of the one of the leads. Um, she's great. Okay. But uh, and I thought it was cool. It looked cool. And Drew Goddard did it. Yeah. Who I like, and I don't know. It just was like really flat for me. Interesting. I. Don't know, I uh, so whatever. I'm glad okay. I didn't see it in the theater. I'm glad I'm waited to watch it sitting here because it's a little long too. Mm, okay. Um, I watched a movie that I didn't like. It's on Netflix. It's called 2036 Origin Unknown, and it's got Katie Sackoff. Oh, I like her. Love her. This movie was a little lame, mm-hmm. but whatever. It's uh, It was quick. Um, finally watched Christmas Chronicles, which I believe there's an episode of that I'm there not is. talking on. Yeah, no, that, you are not <laughs> so, in that one, but we I talk about it with Elwood Jones. Richard, yes. Now I, I still haven't listened to that one. I didn't want to listen to it that one until well, of I course saw we would have spoiled it, so things. Have yeah. No, I mean I don't know how much there is to spoil. <laughs> in the movie well, fair, fair. But what did you think of the Christmas Chronicles? It was okay. It's cute, right? Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, I like the kids, and Kurt Russell is obviously incredible. Yeah, the I am sure you talk about the elves. Yeah, the elves um, grew on me. I thought they were kind of creepy at first, but then by the end, I'm like, no, they're pretty cool. Yeah, they're a little off-putting. At first, yes. That when I when they first showed up, I was like, "Oh, these things are are hideous looking." But because yeah. they kind of get so zany, I was kind of into them by the end. Hmm, that's a good point. I, I all in all, I liked it. I don't know if I would ever if I had kids. It's mm-hmm. probably a movie yeah. that I would push for them to watch again. Right, right. Because there are tolerable things in it, but yes. like, I don't know if I'll ever look at it again. I hear you. Um, I saw Aquaman. What did you think? Perfection. Nice. Nice. I have heard it some people really that good. are really digging it. It was good. Um, J- D- James Wan directed. Which makes me um, happy. I'm so happy for him. Me too. It looks so good. Every, You know, there's that whole thing. The DC movies look muddy and dark. Ugly, yeah. Yeah, this one is beautiful and i and the action sequences are really good mm-hmm. and the characterizations are good and i'm always pro amber heard i was gonna say um, this has two actresses in it that i know you are a huge fan of and amber heard is one I know. and the other it's one got... i think it's kind of not a surprise like i feel like they kept it kind of under wraps for a while but now i think everybody knows that yeah nicole fucking kidman is in this movie nicole kidman is in it she gets an amazing fight scene nice which is so cool. So Nicole Kid- Kidman, Amber Heard, and Patrick Wilson. It's like, oh gosh, yeah. And I'm I mean, here, and Jason I'm here Momoa, right? I mean, come on, beautiful. Which honestly, I'm lukewarm at best, but he's super good in it mm-hmm. and beautiful. Like, yes, and he definitely. I think 
a lot of people made some smart choices. He definitely plays up his strengths mm, in this. Good, good. Um, very likable. And the dude they got to play Black Manta, who's like the kind of bad guy, so good. It was such a good movie. I can't say enough good things good, about good. it. Um, another really good movie was Vice, the okay. Dick Cheney movie. Mm-hmm. I actually like Adam McKay because I really liked that big short movie and I didn't think I would like it. It, Like, I didn't think I would like it. This is somehow better. It's so good. Interesting. I felt like I got really lucky Christmas weekend with Aquaman and Vice. (laughs) (laughs) Did you do like a double feature or you did them separately? Um, Separate. Okay. But like, they they were really good. So high recommend there. Um, I know there's a lot of hype Sometimes that's tough. Yes. Um, I only have three more. I'll go quick. I watched a movie called In Darkness. It's about Natalie Dormer being blind. How it is that? that? It's on... Oh, he... It would <laughs> I, not, I, ha- I have it on my queue. I think she co-wrote it, too. And I love her. Like, I could watch she, her do anything. I do, too. She Well, she's great in it. Okay. I enjoyed watching her, but it was... It didn't... A lot of it didn't really work for me. Okay. Okay. I don't know. It felt like it never clicked into gear. Got it. Like, Got it, it kept gearing up to be something awesome but it never really got there Mm. it looked pretty cool and she looked cool Mm -hmm. so like i wouldn't begrudge anybody watching it um it'll make a good feature it'll make a good feature with that hepburn movie where she's blind uh wait until i can't is that what that's called i I believe you i've had it on my dvr for three years one of these days i'll get to it that's a good movie. Yeah. Um, so watch a movie called The Little Stranger. I don't know if you know what that I is. I don't. What because is it's got a weird title. Um, it's got Bre- Brendan Gleeson's son in it. Mm-hmm. His name Dumb, I can't remember. Gleeson? Yes. And Ruth, it's got Ruth Wilson as well. Okay. It's directed who... by the guy who did Room, it looks like, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. The guy who did Frank it's and it, Room. Yeah. Um, I liked it a lot, although it was one of those movies where I kind of, and not in the best way, I was kind of like, what was that about? Mm. Um, it maybe was a little bit more abstract than I was expecting it to be. So I think I, I, I would pretend, before I said I didn't like it, I would rewatch it. But it was really interesting, and it was pretty, and everybody was good in it. So Okay, it's an interesting cast. The cast is Charlotte Rampling. And I guess oh. it's based on a novel. It's it's both a female screenwriter and a female novelist, yep. which is interesting. Which is definitely, like, it was a big push. The cast was great. Okay. And, I mean, it, it had a lot going for it. But, like, I don't know. I would like to talk to you about it, mm. I guess. Okay. It. I don't know if I know what it was about. I, and I don't <laughs> like admitting that because I don't want to feel stupid. No, but, I like, get you. I don't know if I know. I, but. I've been in that position. That Hey, I think I definitely have at least one or two movies on my list that qualifies that this time. <laughs> and my last movie is Bird Box. I don't know if you watched I it. I did because I got tired of everybody having an opinion on it. I'm like, oh, fine. I'll watch this movie that everybody hates or everybody loves. And it also felt like one of those movies where um, I need like a term for it. It's like a... Um, like a crossover movie where it's clearly a horror movie, oh, but normies not watch horror it. People are watching it. Yeah, yeah, and because this one was one, and I mean, it, it is fascinating. It's a fascinating movie for the um, release of it and for how Netflix is dealing with it. Because Netflix, yeah. who doesn't release any data, but who has randomly made a statement of how forty-five million people watched Bird Box, and you're like, but 
okay, did they? Like, maybe they didn't. You could just be making that up. I don't know. But I I heard people at work talking about it, so I'm like, all right, fine, I'll watch this fucking Bird Box movie. What did you think of it? Um, it did, it, uh, I will say that I could not stand how out of order it was. Um, it seemed to spoil itself over and over again. It seemed to undo tension. Like, sure. Oh, don't don't worry don't about this. Don't get attached gonna... to these people because obviously most well, of them are going to die. And like, and I would have been cooler with it if, or for me, it wouldn't have been so obvious if it did kind of do a fake out. Like, not that yeah. everybody. I don't want to spoil this, but not that the thing that we assumed happened right. happened, but yeah. maybe something Other else could happened. Have happened. Yeah, but it didn't do that. No, it, no. It, it, flashed backwards and forwards and did literally everything by the book which is fine but the whole time i was like well the mist wasn't out of order dawn of the dead wasn't out of order all of these really amazing ensemble set stories yeah Yeah. which that's my jam you know that i love that more than anything and like it felt like it was it was undermining itself over and over again which which pissed me off a little bit that being said that little girl's face made me cry cute little girl and she's so cute and also i liked this better than the that quiet movie a quiet place which is which i actually watched which is on my list because i watched it on a plane (laughs) what's funny is so a quiet place um the bird box was based on a novel that was written a couple of years ago. A Quiet Place. We've t- I know I've brought this up, I think, when you first talked about A Quiet yep. Place. A Quiet Place was an original story, but it is so similar to another novel called The Silence that was supposed to get turned into a movie that the Wish Upon director was going to make. And then it was <gasps> like, oh, God, how do you make this movie yeah. now that it's the same exact movie, essentially, as A Quiet Place? Um So, yeah, it's it's hard. it's impossible to kind of not compare the two of them. Uh, it's con- I mean, there's there's too many similarities. Yes, and I don't know that. I mean, I'm sure this was probably in production. Uh, I mean, I don't. Maybe it was. It was probably in production before A Quiet Place came out, or something. I would mm-hmm. think, because I mean, it takes time to make a movie like this and to get the, that cast. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I, to me, it was okay. Like it was again. I watch so much shitty apocalyptic horror movies that like obviously this had better production values it has a For really sure. good cast and i mean yes. like aside from it being ridiculous names in the cast i think it also the you know the not it's not necessarily the huge like i mean Sandra Bullock obviously is a star but the guy from moonlight who plays the poster <gasps> is so, so good. good um it, it was so nice to see him play a really different part and be so good and connect so well. And I'm like, this guy needs so to be So charismatic and yeah. likable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting, like, I don't know. I liked it. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I find the criticism of it really weird and fascinating because... What's the criticism of it? Is it that it's out of order? Because other no, than that, no, I can't No, the criticism I'm out. seeing specifically is that, oh, this is a movie that was written on an algorithm that oh look it has come on exactly it's like i've read reviews complaining about it having a diverse cast because it feels artificially put there so that it appeals to everybody okay what would you rather have would you rather have all white straight actors 
characters and that to be it. And then you complain about there being no diversity. Um, what do they mean a diverse Oh, that cast? you have it was just... one Asian gay man and one black man and or two black men and, you know, and but then there are no black women. Like, it's weird how... Um, and I guess it's because it's Netflix and I think it's because this obviously has been such a high profile release yeah. that and again you can tear this movie apart for other reasons it's not a great movie you you make a really good point the structure of the movie it takes away its own tension but it's weird that I don't know some writers seem to really harp on thing it, it just seems so backwards in how people are criticizing it for it trying to do something um more modern i guess so it's one of these cases where i'm gonna fucking end up being the defender of bird box even though i didn't necessarily like the movie <laughs> yeah it's strange because what then would you if there what then would you say if somebody was like well, what what would have been more believable? Right. One Asian man, one Asian woman, one Asian child, one black man, one black... Yeah. It, it's very strange. Like, oh, so, okay, so should they uh... all have been white? Would you have been happier with that? I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Like, instead, complain about the fact that, you know, she doesn't give the kids names. That's stupid. <laughs> that bothered me. Mm. Um, yes. Yeah, it's... I mean, it's not... I, f- I feel like... Everyone kind of needs to see it because everybody's talking about it. And I don't think it's terrible. I just think, eh, it's, you know, if it came out in the theaters, it would have been, um, like, I'm trying to think of any equivalent film. Like, we wouldn't have talked about it. It comes, and if it came straight to video, nobody would have seen it. And instead, yeah. because it's had this high, pro- pro- high profile release, people are tearing it apart. It doesn't deserve to be torn apart. I think it's just, yeah, no, it could have... It had more where it could have been better. And it you're right. I think it does defeat itself a little bit. But it's just weird. I think this conversation around it has been very strange. It, it's, it is strange. I did not expect it to become, like, to have a moment. Like, it's, yeah. it's weird. Very strange. Very, very much. And, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you, is that everything or do you have any more? That is everything worth talking about. <laughs> All the news fits to print, as they used to say when they printed news. Uh, all right. That's what they say. Um, so my, I have a big list, which is weird, because you'd think I would have been spending all my time watching Christmas movies, but apparently I squeezed a lot of other stuff in, too. <laughs> um, I don't, and because it's been so long since we recorded, did we talk about Suspiria? Did I talk about Suspiria? Did we talk about it? I, and, for real? Yeah, did we? I, 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 don't, I don't know if we did. I think you I know we talked it. about it via Messenger. Yeah, I think I saw it like a week after probably like we last did a real episode. Um, so yeah, I saw Suspiria. <laughs> like you, I did not love it. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel as though you could have made an awesome, cool, groovy 90-minute movie from what exists if you had taken out a lot. Uh, that being said, I, there are some people that love this movie so much that they're starting to make me think, I, maybe I do need to rewatch it, but I just can't fathom finding two hours and 45 minutes in my life to do that again. Yeah. This is a movie where I like went, I think I went to like a 10 o'clock screening and like I had breakfast, so I didn't think I needed popcorn, but my God, halfway through the movie, I'm like, oh my God, when can I get a sandwich? When can I get a sandwich? I'm starving. Cause I was bored. So I don't know. Um, but it looks really cool. Uh, okay. It it looks... What did you think of the end? I wish that was the movie. Like, I wish the movie was... 
like so I get the whole so there's the doctor character and there's uh. things I like I like the casting of that doctor character because I think it speaks to what the movie is kind of doing with the idea of really women. could you explain it to me because I don't understand why there was any point it was super okay. obvious everybody knows at this point I don't that, know why they did yes it. Tilda Swinton <laughs> plays a male doctor in the plays an old German man in the movie I felt what because what this movie does, if you think about it, there there are only three speaking male characters in the movie, and two of them are the cops mm-hmm. who are made fools of, right? Who are stripped yes. naked and and pointed at by these cackling witches, which I think is awesome. And your other male character is played by a woman, and I think part of that is this idea of this movie saying this is a this this is a woman story. It's about these women. It is not about men. If there are men in our story, they are not powerful. They have no power in this in against these women. And here's two that we're just going to laugh at. And the other woman, or the other man, we are going to, you know, flip things around by actually having it be a woman playing it. Even if that doesn't really affect anything, if you don't know, which I think everybody watching it would know. But if you don't know, fine, because you know what? He's still um, as much as... Uh, I think there, he's not a villain by any means. He is weak. He is the one who is unable to change anything because he is passive. And I think it's this kind of idea of uh, male uh, male power being turned on its head, in a sense, where your men, you, your badass cops who should be in control are totally not in control, and your other older male character is completely ineffectual at anything he tries to do and it's in part his own fault it's because he didn't act soon enough it's because he doesn't believe chloe moretz when she comes to him saying these things so it is his flaw but it makes him the witness to everything instead of you know having any power in the situation i respect that idea mm-hmm. but if you took that storyline out I would have enjoyed this movie because it would have been an hour 40 minutes and would have been cool, crazy, dancing, wacky stuff happening. And instead, it's just really long. Yes. Yeah. I, I just I just don't understand it. If it's not if the point is to highlight that it's not a man's story, then it's then why even introduce a male character? Yeah, fair. I get that. Like you're trying to or the attempt was to be subversive by having that male character be played by a woman. Mm-hmm. But say like some some bozo doesn't know that it's still just right, an old it's... man character yeah i mean again i i would love for somebody to do a fan edit of this movie and take oh, out boy, the entire too. tilda swinton version two storyline and make it a horror movie set at a dance academy and that being it and i think it would have been for me a really fun wacky gross weird um you know variation on suspiria and that's what the movie i wanted Mm-hmm. that's not the movie I got. I got this movie that is much heavier, that is much more laborious and is really dragging on these different themes that I just didn't need in my Suspiria. But other people, mm-hmm. the people that this movie spoke to, like seem to uh, yeah. know, die defending it. And I respect that. Um, but I'm just, I don't think I'll ever get to that camp. So. Yeah, for sure. Me too. I would never throw shade on somebody that was like, I, this is one of the top movies yeah. of the year. I love this movie. I wouldn't because clearly it, it appealed to you in a way it didn't appeal to me. Right. Like, I don't think people are dumb because they liked it. I just, I think I saw what it was doing and I just didn't work. Right. And then you realize I still have to sit through another hour and a half of it. Yes, because yeah. it, it, I kept waiting for it to turn though. 
Yeah, like I maybe know. it will, maybe it'll get me. Maybe it'll get me. And when they were laughing at that dude's dick, I was like, this is my this is aesthetic. Good. This is good. Yeah. But like it didn't, it never reached those heights again for me. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you, girl. Uh, Oi. Well, I'm glad you saw it. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt like I needed to because like Bird Box, I felt like there's a conversation happening and I need to know where I followed it. Um, and that's mm-hmm. also a problem because, um, and I said this when I saw Mother, the problem is you get so hyped into, oh my God, this movie is going to make me really angry or really, really in love with it, that your expectation, it's not like you have high expectations, that you have intense expectations. And I said this with Mother, where it it ended up, I'm watching this movie, and all I could do as I'm watching it is ping pong between like, oh, I see what he's doing. Oh yeah, I see why that's kind of stupid. Okay, that's kind of neat. Yeah, but it's also kind of dumb. And I leave the movie saying, I understand why people loved it, and I understand why people hated it, and I can't tell you how I felt about it. Um, And it's, I I don't know how to get that out of my head when I watch a movie. It's why I'm like trying to, okay, let me go see it before, you know, I hear too much about it. Let me not, I see everybody talking about Bird Box, but let me not read what they say and just watch it and then have an opinion. Uh, And it's just really hard to do that in a world where you can't turn it off no matter what. You know, I, I, I used to love to watch trailers. I hate watching trailers now because they give away so much, so much. And I can't watch a movie not thinking, but doesn't John Malkovich show up at some point? Like, it's, you know, it, it's a shame. And I, and if anybody has any tips, please help me because I want to just watch a movie and enjoy it. And it's very hard to do. Yeah, it, it can it can be challenging. Yeah. Um, all right, so a few more that I've watched. Uh, on Netflix, speaking of another movie that I don't really know what it was about, and everybody was talking about it, and I felt like I needed to watch it because everybody had an opinion. Um, Jeremy Salmuz, uh Hold the Dark, with Jeffrey Wright. Oh, yeah! And the scars yeah. Card. Um, yeah, so I, I like this director, right? He did Blue Ruin, he did Green Room, both very good movies about violence. <laughs> And so I see this this movie as an Arctic horror movie, which is like my jam. If you're set in your horror movie in Alaska, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to be excited. This movie has a great cast. Um, I start watching the movie. I watched it on a plane. I'm about like quarter of the way through. I'm like, oh, man, this is – I'm not sure what it's doing. I'm kind of bored by it. Then it, it turns, and then for like 45 minutes, I'm like really into it. And then it just keeps going, and then it turns a different way. And I'm like, oh, fuck – and I, I don't know. I didn't like it. Um, there's things I like about it. I like the Alaskan aspect of it. And I like that, like, mm-hmm. this movie kind of has this sort of Alaska um, Arcticness in its soul or in its tone, where it feels like you are in a different world and it is a cruel world and it is not pretty and not warm. And I really dug that. But on the flip side... Um, I think there's two problems. One is that it's really mean and it gets to a point where you think, okay, we're, we're doing it this way. And then it towards the end makes a plot move that I found so cruel that it really, really bothered me and not in a good way. Um, but then the other thing is really, you have nothing to hold on to in this movie. Mm-hmm. And like we're saying, you were saying about the movie you watch where you just didn't know what it was about. That's kind of how I felt about this. Because yeah. you're, you have Jeffrey Wright, who's supposed to be, like, your way into the movie. And Jeffrey Wright is probably one of the best working actors right now. But his character is given nothing. 
I don't know who this man is. I don't understand why he's doing these things. Um, he seems like a nice guy who has a complicated relationship with his daughter, but you can't not give me any specifics and expect me to really care just because it's, you know, Jeffrey Wright. And so it makes mm-hmm. it real. So then you kind of shift to a different character to put your sympathies in. And it's, I don't know, it, it, that really bothered me because it just kept, um, in a way, maybe it was deliberate because this is such a like you know cold movie where it just kept you out. It's like you you were wearing a winter coat and the person you were talking to was wearing a winter coat and you couldn't hear each other, and it was annoying to me because I felt like this is a movie I should love, but I'm not. It's not letting me in, and I don't know. Um, I'm curious what other people felt. I I know. I think a lot of people felt similarly. There are some people that really champion this one. I, I'm curious what mm-hmm. you would think. Um, although I probably didn't really oh, sell I liked it well. It. Oh, you did see it. Yeah. Oh, I did. I liked you it, but I, I get what you, I, I get what you say. That's not what I meant to say. <laughs> I get what you're saying. I get, I get your stance, and I think I did feel similarly. But mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed the experience so much that I didn't care. Okay. And also the. Um, the violence in it made me sick to my stomach. I yeah, think I said rough. that. It's very. I rough. think if you've listened to this, I think I probably said the same thing because mm. it it made me feel sick. Like it yeah. was disturbing and gross. Yeah, yeah, it's upsetting. Um, but I, I I did like it. But if you said Christine, write write me an uh, a three hundred word uh, blurb about what this was about, I think I would need to maybe watch it again. I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, all right, so another winter horror. I finally watched Krampus from a couple of years ago. Oh, you had never seen I had not. The, um, Adam Scott, Tony yeah, Collette Yeah, one. yeah, uh, Michael Doherty. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I didn't think to watch this earlier. I think because I, I knew people liked it, but I just never got around to it. It wasn't really streaming ever. Um, so I was Christmas or the day before Christmas, and I decided to throw it on because I'm like, I want a new Christmas horror movie. I've already watched Silent Night, Deadly Night this year. What else am I going to do? And this was really fun. I liked it. I remember, it's been a while since I've seen it. I remember being kind of lukewarm on it. It, you know, it does uh, one thing. It's very kind of loud. Like there's kind of a, a grossness to it because it's this awful family and you're it's a lot of kids screaming and um then when it turns into a horror movie it's just it's like a very loud movie uh yeah but the i mean the design of some of the monsters i thought was really cool and different and felt like oh i haven't really seen this done this way before Mm -hmm. um and then it did get sweet like i think it does have a journey as far as a movie goes because you do have these characters that do change over the course of things i didn't really understand the ending but i think i liked it uh, it kind yeah. of has like a weird reveal that you're not quite sure what it's saying. Uh, but yeah, no, I I don't know that this isn't going to be like a watch every year, but I'll definitely watch this again in a few years. And if it's on TV, mm-hmm. I'll certainly watch it. Uh, a movie that I know you watched, I watched Hurricane Bianca from Russia with Hate. Woo! I loved it. What'd you think? I loved it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm a mark for good, cheap drag humor. And this is that. Yes. Except it has like higher production so values much. than the first one. I agree that Katya is hot in this movie. I think it's what you were saying last oh, time. Yes. Yeah. Totally. I totally. Um, I found this really enjoyable. I just I laughed. I like had a really good time watching it. Um, on Netflix Instant. Curious if you've seen this, The Endless. 
I don't think so. It doesn't sound familiar. So it's directed by the guys who did Spring and Resolution, and it's kind of a sequel to mm-hmm. Resolution. Did you see those movies? Uh, no, I, I, I don't know if I know what Resolution is, but Spring's been on my like watch list okay. forever. Um, Resolution and, and The Endless definitely go together. It's a sequel, but you don't mm-hmm. necessarily have needed the first movie for it. Um, I liked it. There are people that loved it. I don't. I didn't love it, but I liked it a lot. It these so these two directors are also in in this case they're in the movie they're the stars of the movie and they're good. Um, and I think what's interesting about the so the three movies I've seen, I felt the same way about all three. Where I'm like, they have a really interesting good touch with their actors where mm-hmm. all three of their movies or at least at least the first two like they have a lead young male actor who like has this really this like comforting easy presence on screen and it makes sense watching this one like oh that's because that's them like they're in this movie and they have that too um and it does, it's just, you know, a kind of odd structure and sort of a weird time travelish time mishmash oh, interesting. and there's a cult involved, and but it's not really like your typical kind of cult movie, so it there's no way to really talk about it without, like, going deep into it. Um, it's good. I liked it. I uh, sure, everybody should watch it. I don't didn't love it the way some people are really passionate about it. This didn't connect to me that way, but I think it's very good. So, here's that. Hey, you said it's on Instant? It is on Netflix, yeah. yeah. I think Resolution is too, which I would recommend watching first. Oh, okay. Um, okay, Moana was going off of Netflix, and I had not seen it, and I, you know, feel like since every, you know, female of a certain generation now has seen this movie, I should see it. Uh, this was cute. Um, this is the Disney big Hawaiian movie from a few years ago. Uh, I think I liked Frozen more. I don't know what that says about me. Uh, I liked, this is really pretty, and I love the island stuff, and mm-hmm. I love that it's about island culture. It's not about white people, which is pretty awesome. The Rock is great in it. I just didn't, I didn't, it's Lynn man well, Miranda's music. I didn't think the music was that memorable. I don't remember any of the songs. Uh, it's cute. Interesting. Yeah, it's, it's a cute little movie. If you're babysitting, it's fine. You know, Um, let's see. I watched a killer doll movie I hadn't seen called Finders Keepers. This stars. I didn't know that existed. I didn't either. But listen to the cast. Jamie Presley, Patrick Muldoon, Tobin Bell and Marina Sirtis from Star Trek. What year is this from? 2014, I think. Uh, I think it was like a made for sci-fi thing. It's not very good. It's like one of those possession stories where she finds a doll and the doll doesn't do anything itself, but it does possess the kid. So it's like evil kid and evil doll, which should be my sweet spot. But the problem is the little girl is such a jerk. Like there's nothing charming from the beginning (laughs) about this kid. So you meet the kid and the kid's already like kind of an asshole. And then the kid becomes possessed by a killer doll. And the first thing the kid does, you know what it is? She kills her neighbor's cat. So fuck this kid. I don't Aww. like just whatever terrible things happen to you. I hope, but no. Instead, it's about saving the kid. And what's her name? Justina Muchacho, Machado from Six Feet Under and Final Destination Two. She's in it too. Okay. And you're like, oh, cool, her. And she gets like a terrible, terrible 
burned on fire, eyes ripped out, deaf. And you're like, great, this woman has to go through all of this shit, and this little shitty kid gets to survive. And I just found that very bothersome to me. I'm a terrible human being. I accept that. No, it's it can be really, I don't know, it can really ruin things when there's a very dislikable child in something. Yeah, yeah. And I think that will feed into, we're not quite there yet, but when we get to House on Haunted Hill, I think that's actually a really important thing is that, you know, there's a way to write and direct and have kids in your thing where they can be the most sympathetic thing in the world and it can make such a difference. And instead, if you just have an asshole kid, boy, does that change the effect of something. Mm-hmm. Um Okay, uh, we watched, so this is a movie, very complicated movie to talk about, uh, Birth of a Nation, the movie that came out last year, the year before, um, about uh, Nat Turner, the Slave Rebellion movie that was bought at Sundance for like $35 million and was supposed to be the big Oscar movie. And then shortly after it was bought, things came out about how the writer-director star and his co-writer in college allegedly raped a woman who then killed herself. And boy, does that load things when you then watch the movie. Um, Mm -hmm. So... It, I mean, I so we watched this. Uh, Brandon didn't really know all of that. He knew something happened, but he didn't know like the details of it. I knew the details, and I think it does color the way you watch the movie, just because rape is in the movie in two very. Um, they don't show on screen rape, but it's it's a big part of the story, and mm-hmm. you know we we have all seen probably our share of movies about slavery that involve rape and one of and what this one does with it which i don't know that it would have been as kind of bothersome had i not known you know kind of the stuff behind the scenes but that it's so two different women are or two different slave women are raped by white men and the movie doesn't ever deal with them the movie deals with the men being really upset and angered by it and how that fuels them to go do these things so, you know, again, like, you don't think about, you might not think about it, but if, you, if you're if you watching a movie kind of with an eye towards it, you see it, and then it becomes very hard to not see. Uh, and that aside, like, it's this is a good-looking movie. It is a handsome movie. Um, it is powerful, because it's always powerful to see how fucked up this time in history was. The other side to it is, I think, um, I don't think this is a great movie. I think even had this stuff not come out, I don't know that it would have had the staying power of 12 years a slave uh it is it feels like a biopic that has skirted over a lot of details of what made this person's life very interesting and very uh controversial um Mm -hmm. and it doesn't really bring anything new i think and that's what really kept it from me from being anything that affecting was I when I watched like they did a remake of Roots a few years ago on not the History Channel but one on a TV channel, and it was fantastic and it felt you felt like there was a spirit to it of these times, and watching it watching Birth of a Nation I have no idea what it had to say about today I know what it had to say about two hundred years ago and yes it's mm-hmm. horrible and showing these things is effective because you know what maybe we haven't looked at these things but what is that actually it it did there was nothing about it that connected me to 2018 um so yeah it's it's 
I don't know. I, I think there's still people that probably want to watch it and that's fine. And I'm curious if I miss something or if, I mean, maybe, you know, an, an audience of somebody of color might feel differently about it. Somebody from a different country might feel different about it. I don't know. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. Not, not, not a hit for me, I thought. Uh, okay, a few more. Uh, Game Night, uh, to your recommend, because you had recommended it. So I watched Woo! it on HBO. This was a delight. My goodness. What a I fun thought movie. so, too. Yeah. Um, and I think you put it best when you're like, this was just because it shows that you can still write a good comedy and you don't have to resort to like, let's improv everything. Like, no, just write a good yeah. script and it will work. And this this was that. Very funny. Very charming. Enjoyable. I'm glad you liked it. I did. Uh, from 1984, recorded off a of TCM Underground, Savage Streets with Linda Blair. Have you seen this? Still never seen it. Oh, no. girl, you would love it. Um, Linda Blair is so great in this movie. Uh, she is like head of a girl gang, and her sister is Linnea Quigley, like a baby face Linnea Quigley. And she gets raped by some bad boys. And so Linda Blair goes and gets vengeance on them, and she wears a leather jumpsuit when she does it, and she uses bear traps. And what more do you need when you have bear traps in Linda Blair? Not much. You don't need much. <laughs> uh, I watched, so we went to the theater to see Mary Poppins Returns. Oh, what'd you think? I liked it. Um, I think it is exactly what it should be. It feels in spirit to the original, um, but it also, like, it it very much follows a lot of the beats and even the songs feel like you can parallel a song to all the songs of the original. But what Mm -hmm. I liked was it didn't just say, oh, let's just do that story again. You have the characters, the kids in this movie played are adults in this one, and it's Emily Mortimer and Ben Whishaw, who is so good. My God, he is good. I love Ben Whishaw. He is fantastic. I want him to have the biggest career ever. He should... I know, like, we're... We don't need... I know he's Q, and I know we don't want another white James Bond, but if you were going to do one, fucking just have it be Ben Whishaw and let him do whatever he wants with it, because this man can do anything. Um, he's Paddington too. That's right. Yeah, and he's he. So he is grown up um, little boy in this one, but he's not playing the dad in the last one. Like he's the dad in this movie, but he's a different dad. Uh, and so there's something smart, really smart about that. I think that they, you know, kind of look at different people in the same scenario. Uh, it's cute. It's charming. You know, we laughed. I probably, like, welled up a tear here and there. Um, Angela Lansbury shows up at the very end, which is pretty great. Um, oh, that's cute. Yeah. Uh, it's it's very charming. It's very sweet. I don't know that I remember any of the songs. Like, I don't think I'll remember any of them. I no, Nothing is in my head now. Um, it's But it it's charming. It is exactly what it should be. Uh, okay. Three more. Um, Girls Trip, also on HBO. Did you see this? Yes. Okay. What did you think? I thought it was okay. Yeah, I mean... I thought it was interesting and different enough to be entertaining. Yeah. But it kind of lost me in a few spots. Mm. But I know it did super well. Yes, yeah. Um, Yeah, and I'm glad for that. Because it feels like it's not a... I think you could have sold this probably as like, oh, it's the hangover for black women, but it's not like it. What I really liked about it was this is a movie about four really interesting, intelligent women. And I liked that. I liked how it gave these these women very clear identities and very like 
they're not your typical like it's not like oh we have to do the sex in the city thing where one is a slut and one is an innocent yeah. and like one is a cynic like no 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 it's like these are just four women who are all different in different ways um and yeah i mean had i seen it in a theater with like a giant crowd i might have found it funnier watching it at home some stuff hit some stuff didn't but i enjoyed mm-hmm. it like I, I found it like it made me feel good which i really liked uh, then, okay, two more. One is on Netflix, and I thank um, James and Barbara for the recommendation. Uh, Fatal Fashion, a.k.a. Deadly <laughs> Runway. This is a oh, no. movie about a woman who's a photographer, and she's crazy. And she loses her job as a fashion photographer, so she ends up teaching high school. And her thing is that, like, she has a thing for for young men who she can turn into models. So she turns this, like, high school senior into a model, and then she goes crazy, and she kills a girl that likes her, likes him, and she kills um, an agent, and she destroys the career of his girlfriend who starts to model, and she does it in the best way by photoshopping a picture of her posing with a baseball bat and a porn star, and that destroys her career. Oh, God, it's glorious. It is a lifetime to a T, and it's very fun. Uh, And then lastly... Now, I know, do you do a thing where you're like, oh, New Year, what's my first movie of the year going to be? Where you, like, care about it or no? Um, well, yeah, because last year, my last and first movie of the year was The Snowman. <gasps> um, nice, nice. I still, I'll I still never forget that. that. I, it's awful. I, oh, no, so my last movie, my, I think my last movie of the year was going to be my recommend. And my first movie of the year, I didn't say because okay. I was just going to save it for next time. Okay, got it. But got it, yes, got it. I did put some consideration into it okay. this year. Yeah, so we, um, you know, it was New Year's Day, and so we sit down. Where it's like, you know, we're all we're both off that day. It's early, so you don't want to watch anything too heavy. And Brad and my husband has the best recommendation ever, which is, you know, I did get you, um, you know, the TV movies that they did of Murder She Wrote. I'm like, well, okay then. So we watched Murder, <laughs> She Wrote, The Last Free Man, which was made in 2001, and stars, obviously, Angela Lansbury, Fel- Felicia Rashad, um, and a oh, oh, very young Walton Goggins as a Civil War reenactor. Oh, interesting. And a babyface Taraji B. Henson. Oh, cool. How was it? Oh, it was Had you wonderful. ever seen it before? No, because what it is, it's a, so it's full, I mean, it's an hour and a half. It would have been two hours on CBS. And mm-hmm. it's, so it's, and you can see, like, it's a bigger budget. It's a bigger story. And in this case, it is that Jessica goes to Virginia um, to help investigate a case of her, like, great, great, great aunt um, who was trying to solve a murder uh, of a murder that her slave had been accused of committing. And so what it does Mm -hmm. is it toggles between the present where they're trying to prove this and the past where of course, Angela Lansbury plays her self, her like old aunt character. um, And there is a murder mystery and all that. Uh, It is wonderful. So there. Uh, I started by you're right. That's how I wanted to start it. And I started it correctly. Start starting off with a bang. Indeed. Yes. Um, all right, so that's everything we've been watching, plus obviously the 14 Christmas movies I watched, which you can find on the Stocking <laughs> Summer episodes. Um, but now, why don't we take a break, and then we are going to uh, go flip a house. How does that sound? Let's do it. All right.
Witching of Hill House from 2018, directed by our boy, Mike Flanagan. Uh, who I like to think, like, you and I, not like we discovered him, because obviously, no, um, whoever produced his first movie did, but, like, we've been with on the Flanagan train since the beginning, pretty much. Yes, yes, we are early adopters, mm-hmm. and I, 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 can't, I can't say that I don't lord that over people. Yeah, I mean, I really do go back and think of... You know, we've done a hundred and something episodes now. I think our Oculus episode is one of our best because I think that is a movie. <gasps> really? Yeah, because I mean, first of all, that's one that I don't think I realized how much there was to say about that movie until I started talking to you about it. Because I really mm-hmm. think you pulled a lot from that movie that I didn't see initially. And then as you talk about the violence aspect of it, I, I was, oh, wow, this is a much better bigger deeper movie than i initially saw it as being a really effective horror movie um hey thanks yeah no i credit to you and every our episode and to mike flanagan well yeah i suppose i suppose we can thank him and to wwe because i think they were they helped put that movie out oddly enough oh yeah maybe i I think i do remember that that. that's a good one um so i mean obviously mike flanagan has is a smart guy who's had a great career and who seems to be one thing I really appreciate is that clearly, like, he's committed to horror, which I really respect, right? He is I love kept it. making, I'm sure he'll branch out and do other things, but, you know, from um, starting out with really Absentia being his first kind of real full horror movie, mm-hmm. you know, Oculus, Hush, um, Ouija 2, and Gerald's Game, yep. and now this. Gerald's Game. Uh, Before I Wake is on Netflix, and I haven't watched it yet, that he made, I think, he, I think that was made, like... <laughs> After between Absentia and Oculus, but just wasn't released for years. Um, it so, got it got lost for a while. Yeah, it was like shelved I've or watched, something. It was a production I've, company thing. Yeah, they folded. I think they folded, and there was nowhere to put it. I watched, so I waited forever for that movie. I was so excited for it, and so upset when it got put, kept getting yeah. pushed. Um, I watched. I'm not kidding you. Three minutes of it, and burst into tears repeatedly and Zach Zach shut it off I I couldn't do it I couldn't do it because Jacob Tremblay is the little boy and I know now he's not he's not as little anymore (laughs) but he's still super super tiny in this movie and like I don't know it was just it was just hitting notes that I already knew like I can't I don't think I can do this so I still haven't watched it yeah and I know he's I've listened to him talk about it there's actually um Mick Garris does a podcast where he just interviews different filmmakers and it's really good. And he he has an episode where he interviewed Mike Flanagan and he talks a lot about this movie and says kind of like that, you know, this was his most um, personal movie, but that it's not really a horror movie and, you know, kind of a shame of when it got shuffled and how now it's kind of being put out there as like a scary movie, but it really isn't. Uh, But yeah, it sounds emotional. So, and we know like this dude does emotional really well because look at the movie we're going to talk about today or look at the series we're going to talk about today. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, like a career that kind of just keeps getting better. And this is not unheard. So Netflix has been, you know, the last couple of years, I guess, has been now doing, producing its original TV shows. Um, mm-hmm. Something interesting about the Netflix model in particular is the whole kind of sh- seemingly showrunner control, right? So Mike Flanagan directed all of these episodes. He, he has other writers, and there's, I think there was a writer's room to it, but he directed every episode. Um, mm-hmm. 
I think that is true of the uh, oh 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 um, Elias Grace. I think is all Sarah Polly. Like so, there's um, or she wrote all of them. Like you, you know, it's kind of an interesting uh show running thing where because the seasons are shorter you get the sense that the creator has a little more control and is kind of aiming things a certain way and you know so they've with hill house it it ends in one season there's been talks of a season two and mike flanagan has basically said oh we might do one but it's not about the cranes it's going to be a different story because the crane story is over that maybe mm-hmm. he would do an American horror story thing where you use the same actors and shuffle them around, but that this is a self-contained story and it begins and ends in these 10 episodes, which I really appreciate. Um, mm-hmm. And so we, as we said, we're going to spoil things. Uh, so let me ask you first, how did you, wa- like how long did it take you to watch this? Did you binge it? Um, did you do it in chunks? What'd you do? We did not. Um, it, I had a hard time getting into this. Mm. Um, I did not. I was not wild about the first episode. I had some immediate issues with some things that, when I was doing research for this episode, found out that I wasn't the only one. Made me Ooh. feel a little less crazy. I want to know what these um, were. Um, well, in the f- I don't want to jump too okay. far into it, but in the first episode, I mean, you get all of Steve's. Or the the least Stevens compelling episode. character, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would argue I felt the same way, but I kind of turned a corner. But um, Stephen, basically, you find out he's a writer, and he wrote the Haunting of Hill House. Right. I just about flipped the fucking table over at that <laughs> point, and I and I thought it was just me, but come to find out, there are numerous articles, not just about the show that mention it, but whole articles about the erasure of Shirley Jackson in the story. Hmm. Um, and I think that that is interesting. I got less upset as it went on, but my immediate reaction was very, um, I was very defensive of this writer who means quite a deal to me, hmm. okay. great deal to me. I didn't in, I didn't like that. I didn't like that hmm. that happened, but it became for me less important as the story went on. Um, but like I had a bad taste in my mouth after the first episode. So it took me a while to get into it. Then by the time we were into it, it was kind of like a conscious, we're not watching more of these at once mm, than yeah. one, more than one of these at once. Like it, let's just watch it and then watch something else or mm-hmm. go to bed. I think we were watching them right before bed. I had some fucked up nightmares. I did we too, watching. which I love. I love yeah. having nightmares and I love ah! when, um, when I watch something that that I know I had nightmares because I watch whatever I watch, I get so excited and it makes me love whatever I watch <laughs> so much more. Did you did you watch these in one chunk or did you no. try to space them out? So I mean, it's we spaced them out in part. It's it's for a few reasons that just has to do with logic. Like you know, we don't go to bed late. Like we re- we really mm-hmm. don't, we, especially during the week. And so typically, like, you know, these episodes were between 50 minutes to an hour 10, like one or two of them. And so it's mm-hmm. not something we could really watch two on a weeknight. We couldn't really watch two and still go to bed at a reasonable time. Um, for me, and this is just a difference between the way I can watch things and my husband can watch things. Like, I I can turn the lights out and just sit and watch it and, and keep going. And I probably could have binged, the, binged this over a weekend. My husband can't. Like, he usually is like, okay, that was heavy. 
good, let's take a break. And I'm, of course, like, come on, let's watch the next one. I'm so, I want to, like, <laughs> open, he went into the room. Come on, did you want to see what's in the room? Um, but no, Brandon has more uh, restraints. So I was like, okay, we'll find out what's in the room the next day. So we, d- I don't, we might have watched one, like, two in a row one weekend. But for the most part, it was like, one a night when we knew we were both awake for it, when we knew we could turn the like we only wanted to watch it when the, when it was dark outside, because um, it and it really does make a difference. Because I rewatched this uh, quickly, I you know, so it took us probably like three weeks to watch the whole thing, and then mm-hmm. the last um, like week and a half. I kind of binged through it where I would have it on while I was doing some other things because I wanted to go back into it and rewatch it before talking about it. And, you know, it is a show, like, there were, you know, one or two episodes where I did, like, okay, no, I know this part's coming, so I'm gonna, and I, like, still jumped at things at times. Um, So even, like, with a light on or with, you know, having my computer out while I did stuff, like, it was still effective. It just, this is a show that benefits from watching it knowing you're turning out the lights and you're not focusing on anything else and you can just sit and watch it um yeah i i rewatched the first two episodes actually while i was doing something else and uh, i i really didn't like them <laughs> so i i kind of stopped because i don't want to i don't want to rewatch this and walk away with a different well, feeling but you seem i don't think you liked the first two episodes the first time you watched it right i don't think i did too but i'm, I'm really sure scared that i'm not i in no i have a problem with the structure of the first episode um i don't think it works the way some of the other episodes do um and then I found the second episode to be a little bit boring. So that's Stephen and Shirley's episodes, respectively. Yes. I don't have anything wrong. I don't have any problem with those characters. I like the Shirley character, child and adult. Mm-hmm. Um, I like all of them. But, like, I don't know. And then I knew what was coming up next. And I was like, I, I really I like Theo. I don't want to watch the Theo episode and be super flase da about it mm. and like not and be like ugh because I don't want to I have good uh, complex but good feelings about the show as it stands but I had a problem with the finale so like <laughs> then it leaves me like wait did I just like episode 5 aka Nell's exactly. episode aka the worst episode of television I've ever watched in my life. Does it come down to just that I was so thoroughly manipulated by that episode that it completely changed the way I felt about the whole series? Huh. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't think I'm prepared to find out. Fair. Okay. (laughs) Because I like Luke's episode too, which um, I found that episode to be super disturbing and affecting as well. Um, the, and that episode for me played better the second time around too. Um, interesting. Yeah, and I think I, I would say it, it's different how like different episodes did that. I don't think any episode for me got worse on second time around, but I think mm-hmm. some of the even the first episode because I think Stephen and you know we'll, we'll probably jump through each character, but like yes, it's a problem because Stephen is the easily the least sympathetic character. He's an asshole. He is. Of the five of them, I mean, you can argue Luke, but Luke is an addict, and that kind of, not that it, that excuses things, but it justifies things, I guess. Whereas <clears throat> Stephen is um, selfish and narcissistic, and 
when you find out in the, I think it's the second to last episode, what he has done to his wife in lying to her about trying to get her yeah. pregnant. I mean, it really, that, that to me is just, oh my God, that is unforgivable. That is a terrible thing to do to a woman. Yeah, for sure. Um, and yet, I think on rewatch, going back through it, he is still, you know, if he was my husband, I would not have forgiven him for that. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's really, in- it almost, knowing that ultimately he acknowledges how awful he was and how he was so selfish and had done these terrible things, um, revisiting it and seeing him with that sort of um, veneer over him, I could see that. I could then see like, oh yeah, he is being this kind of asshole, wealthy hack writer, but I see under that now when I go back and watch it knowing what comes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's even, in a way, I mean, you know, all the characters have journeys, obviously. His, in hindsight, is might be the most interesting because yes, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. On face value, he's super bland, yep. and like you're you're kind of like, oh, this douche. But like, I, and and they frame it that way too. Yeah. So maybe that's deliberately because the whole the whole the the series starts with Stephen saying, "I don't believe in any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a ghost," and yeah. so he is he's the biggest. I mean, he's the one to kind of flip yeah well and And, when uh his dad says in the you know towards the end it's most dangerous for you to go back to that house you are the last person that should go in because of all of my children you're the one who is the least aware of what this house is and and what our family what's happened to our family because you have denied Mm -hmm. it so much and i know for a fact you saw a ghost because we never had a guy fix a clock that was a ghost yeah yeah, and I think that's interesting. I I think they do a good job with all the kids because oh they don't yeah. all hit hit the same note. Nope. I get that an argument could be made that kind of Luke and Nell have similar things. They do and they and don't tra- though. I mean, yeah, they do they're equally be- as tragic. Yeah, and it it makes to me it makes so much sense. And like, it's you know I I'm from a family of four. Like this is a family of five. Like, I, and that it for me is so much. It, it's both heartbreaking and it's really fun because you I, and one of the things I really like is that as adults you see each child interact with each other child right so you have a scene of Luke and Theo you have a scene of Stephen and Shirley and like you can you mix and match all of them and they all you know how they all kind of relate to each other because when you have a lot of siblings you relate very differently to one sibling than you do to the other and that's um that's really neat and i mean Mm -hmm. you know obviously one of the most brilliant things this does and that mike flanagan directs children extremely well we've seen it in oculus we saw it in ouija too uh in this like not only are these kids great but the way the kids are cast and the way the adults are cast and that actor relationship is just so ridiculously fitting um yeah that it's just it makes it so believable as much as like if you know one of the things you can criticize like it's really weird to see henry thomas with 
blue blue contacts yeah um i kind of wish they didn't do that but i get it because this is a movie clearly where look if luke had blue eyes as a kid he's gonna have blue eyes as an adult and it's really focused on making sure you you know believe and accept this is a family and these are these characters then and now and with the kids uh and i think my favorite like kid to adult is um theo because theo as a kid is played by mechanic grace who is who's the bad seed in the bad seed remake that was on lifetime recently oh i didn't know that yeah so that was exciting and apparently um i was reading some of the imdb trivia and what they did was the young actress and kate siegel who plays older theo um they both like kept journals of their characters and would then trade so that like they could read what their like the actor would have written as a journal which i think is a really cute like acting exercise and it fits because it just it like aside from like okay yeah they both have black hair and you know blue eyes and like this look that they both have it's just so i don't know i i like i really just love the that casting and that dynamic so much yeah, there. I mean, everything was really well cast. The the their counterparts mm-hmm. were great. There's the episode. I think it's episode six, um, which would be Nell's wake. Um, oh yeah, two stars. Where it kind of, where it kind of. There's like that. So a huge chunk of that movie is like a movie. I that episode that is a single. I know. It feels very cinematic. It's oh, a it single is. shot, yeah. and it's it's yeah. fucking gorgeous. It is. Yeah. So, but. There's a point where older Hugh um, walks into the funeral parlor and it's he sees the kids sitting there. And I almost projectile vomited. I was so upset. That sucked the life out of me. It's so affecting. Yeah, it it is. It's It's really it's it's like a cheap shot. But it's so because if you know, I mean, it's this like I, I don't know if with like I'm the youngest in my family and I know one of the things that like always kind of haunts the youngest child is that you're always a kid to your siblings and parents like mm-hmm. and I remember like when I was maybe like 25 or so one of my friends had a baby and I went out to lunch with her and her baby and my brother was like oh god so what did everybody think you guys are like routine moms and I was like Adam we're 25 years old like it's perfectly reasonable for us to have had kids at this age um yeah but it was like, and like it was this realization of like, oh right, because to you, I'm still nine, because yep. that's very true of it. And so that scene where, and to you know, a, when a dad walks in to his four children, he does see them as kids, and it, mm-hmm. it is so effective to do that. And then, and I knew it was coming, and I was like, oh no. And they do it, which is he then looks at the coffin, and there's a child Nell in the coffin. Yep. And of course, because it's exactly what a father would see in that moment. And it is so gut-wrenching, but so perfectly done. And she's so cute, little Nell. She's so oh. she's so cute. So, oh. so five, six, and I would say even seven are all some of the strongest episodes of television I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, I... I don't know. Like, so five is, I, I'm looking at um, IMDb right now, mm-hmm. and they have the episodes rated. Like, yeah, I see that. Episode five. Yeah, five that is, is, is the top rated episode. And um, 
I don't know. Like, obviously it is. So it's not just, you know, the final child. It's, you know, yeah. it com- so it's a culmination of, like, all of this backwards looking. I mean, we still get it, but, like, you clearly see a theme. Like, you, you, you got it. It's, it's going yeah. in descending order. Um, and, and so the big reveal in yeah. the fifth episode is that the bent neck lady that's been haunting Nell ever since she was little is her. Yeah. Which honestly, I, I can't even talk about <laughs> it. It was the most upsetting it's really thing. upsetting. And I, I saw it coming. Like I may, I, I I'm not going to lie and say like, even when there's a point in that episode where Nell goes back to like, it's the lead up to her going back to the house and she's in the hotel um, and she goes to get water or something. And, and, it, and the bent neck lady is there. I, I'm not going to say that I knew then, mm-hmm. but I would say like a millisecond before it's very obvious. I realized it. Right. And I, I didn't know what to do. Like I yeah. couldn't express like there was, there was nothing. The the air left me, and I was yeah. like, "Please, please don't do this. <laughs> please oh. don't have this be- oh. because it it reframes everything." Yeah. Um, and there's still ghosts in the house, and I've read a couple things that say that there aren't ghosts in the house, and none of it is to be taken literally. But they go out of their way to introduce uh, the ghosts. Yeah. Have ghosts. so I think that's a little weird of a reading on it, but. It reframes it like, oh, you've been afraid of yourself the whole time. Right, you've been right. afraid of the future. You like it, it. It was gross and made me so upset because that whole episode is upsetting because you have you have the death of Nell's husband, Ugh. which was just like mean. It and again, mean. like it's just it's such a sign of like a good storyteller because he's able to get you so invested in this relationship in a very simple what eight minute sequence of them meeting of them having one date of them having a montage and dancing at their wedding and you're like oh these are two people that are in love and they are nice and they belong together and they are going to make pretty kids and then nonsensical nothing that just tears it all apart (laughs) and it's awful yeah it's it's super upsetting yeah and and then nell goes back into the house and there's the whole, you know, mom says to come in when the light flashes twice and the light flash. So she goes back to the house and you don't want her to go in the house and how manipulative the house is and how it gives her, it shows her all these things. And it's just so fucking painful yeah. to watch because yes, you, you, at this point, even though each episode is, is somebody's story, quote unquote, you get to know all the kids and you get to know everybody in every episode. So you're you've you've been hanging out with Nell for five hours at this point. Yeah. And it's I honestly I'll never I'll never forget it. It it no matter how I end up feeling about the series, like if I ever rewatch it, that was just that was a lot. Yeah. I knew when I got into the episode I'm like, Oh, here we go, here we go and it it was. It was sad and very hard to watch because it is a really and again i mean i knew it was coming and you you know it's coming because you've already seen from the first episode that she's dead and you're waiting for that and you get that and it is done in a way that is really really heart-wrenching um Mm -hmm. especially the more 
you see the family dynamic and kind of can see that, you know, she wasn't, that she was kind of the the one that did try to keep everybody together, right? She Mm -hmm. was the one who was always going to stand by Luke because they were twins. Um, You know, she's the one that reaches out to everyone when in the funeral episode, when the dad is talking about how she wrote letters to them and like, Mm-hmm. Oh my God! When he talks about the Santa Claus letters, you're like, Oh God, we get it. She was wonderful. She was a good spirit. Yeah, and he killed her. We get it. Um, but it it is, and it's very hard to watch that and not imagine like, Oh geez, if you know, I'm I'm the youngest. Am I the Nell in my situation? Like, and if I went back to that haunted house from our youth and died, like, what is my? Is this going to be my funeral? <laughs> like, uh, it yeah, it there. It's it's just there's a lot of relatable things to the characters that Oh yeah. Like it's it's all it's nice to see it's nice when there's an ensemble where you can be like, Oh, I this character seems true. I'm not right. not like not like in a sex in the city way, like I'm a Miranda, I'm a Miranda yeah. But but like to to see it and be like, oh well, you know, I I am I'm a Shirley. Like you you know that obviously there's nuances and stuff, but yeah. it's it's just these fully formed characters, but that they have enough of an archetype that you can kind of that they feel real because yeah. you know what, I, you know I am a Shirley. Like I get it. Like her her control and her neuroses, but it's cool because. I'm sure this was part of the plan. You see why she's like that. Right. And you see why Luke is like that. And oh, you yeah. understand it as begrudgingly as it, I, I felt about it. You see why Steven is that way. Mm-hmm. Totally. Like Steven's character makes sense when you see Steven as a child. Yes. Yes. Of beginning as the caretaker and beginning as the one who's always, I'm the big brother. I'm going to take care of everybody. And when that is taken away from you and you are proven not good enough at that, that, you know what, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm just going to walk away from that and care about myself. And it makes sense from a character point of view. Um, And I like looking at it, like I did try to figure out like with my siblings, I'm like, do we all have a counterpart? We kind of do. More importantly, (laughs) my cats do. I think I I did talk about this on Facebook, but um, I have four cats and there are five, uh, crane children but they totally all have like misha is theo without like you can't touch her she doesn't want to be touched she is theo joplin is nell because she's the tiniest and the youngest and is like the sweet one that wants to keep everyone together angelique is the oldest and in charge she is shirley and mookie is both an asshole so he's steven and he's also very needy so he's luke so it worked out perfectly that way uh <laughs> with my siblings it's a little more complicated but still like so we'll just keep it with my cats um, the other thing too that I love, like when, and especially this really comes up in two storms, when they get to be siblings, it's just some really fun interaction. Uh, when yeah. Steven shows up to the funeral and they're like, where's your wife? And he's like, um, she's coming tomorrow. And the way both Shirley and Theo are like, well, why? Where is she? What's, what's going on? Like, is just such a like, yes, because that's what your sisters would do if you showed up without your wife. And it's just this, like within this one second of like, right, this is why, you know, I say that like if I go see my siblings at times, I'm like, I'm not going to bring this up. I'm not going to bring that up because you can't hide certain things from people that you grew up with. Um, and like and when they're kids, there, there's like one little thing that I found so cute that I wanted to mention, which is there's um, the episode where 
little Nell and Luke are playing with the speaker that spans, uh, like, where one of them could go to the basement, one of them go upstairs, they can talk through it. Mm-hmm. And Nell is like, okay, prove that you're Luke. How do I know you're Luke? And he's like, and she's like, what's your favorite kind of pudding? And he says, rice pudding. And she's like, no, your favorite kind of pudding is chocolate. He's like, no, it's rice now. And she says, you have to tell me these things, Luke. You have to tell me <laughs> these so things, Luke. Because it's like, yes, because twins need to know these things about each other. And it's adorable. Um, it's very cute. Yeah, yeah. Uh, something that I think, um, I think it was, might have been James who said this uh, about a really interesting thing this movie, this movie, this show does is so often horror is used as a metaphor for mental illness, right? Like the Babadook, right? It's all, it's about depression, but it's done through the guise of this ghost. Whereas in this show, it's almost a reverse of that where, um, you know, Steven is there saying there were no ghosts. We mom was just crazy. (laughs) And yet that wasn't it. Like, no, 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 there really were ghosts. And yes, mom was a little crazy, but she was crazy because of the ghosts. That it does this sort of reversal of it, but in doing so is still totally about mental illness and all these other things. Yeah, that's really interesting. I I know that that thought struck me, but I didn't really explore it at all. There's just so much, there's so much stuff going on in this, honestly. But yeah, there... It's hard to not get irritated at these fictitious characters, um, mm. like by because like stop try stop trying to convince everybody that there was something wrong with your mom. Like she was she that place drove her crazy. Like, but also there are parts in it, and I cannot think of her name. Carla Gugino. Carla there it is. There's parts in it where, where like she, yeah, she's being affected. I true again. I truly believe that that there's something wrong with that house. I believe that it's haunted. I believe it is about a haunted house. But there are parts in it where she is being affected by something, but mm-hmm. she is acting in ways that I have seen people sure. with mental instabilities act. Yeah. Same with now, and that yes. is deeply upsetting it was very upsetting because it was super accurate yeah um and really believable it wasn't like this it was it was tiny some of these things and and that's sometimes how mental illness can show itself like in these tiny changes or these things that we don't necessarily understand well especially as you get to the end and you get to what's really, you know, if and whether it's a whether it's ghost induced or whether it's mental illness induced, at the core of um, of Olivia, right, of the mom, is this fear <laughs> of I, I'm raising five kids and my first three kids are no longer kids; they have grown up, and the world is going to eat them, and there's nothing I can do about it. So, what can I do to save my last two who I can still hold and not exposed to the world and i think um Mm -hmm. it's funny this is a kind of show too that i wonder you know obviously like look i watched the babadook and i was really affected by it and i don't have kids and i get that this is that in many ways what it was saying about the you know about motherhood um i will also accept that i will never fully understand it on the same level maybe as a parent 
And I wonder with Hill House, which I th I really like that what Hill House kind of does is it gives you different entries, right? You can watch it as a sibling. You can yep. watch it as, um, you know, as, an, as a neighbor. You can watch it, at, but as a parent, I think that's a really deep part of it, especially towards that, you know, the second to last and last episode is, and it becomes blatantly about that, maybe a little on the nose in some of what the conversation between Hugh and Olivia is of, look, we're parents, mm -hmm. we're supposed to release them to the world, and no, but we can protect them forever, and it's it's a little on the nose, but I think it is, you know, th there is that theme there that, again, whether it's because of a ghost or whether it's because of, no, this is a woman who, and, and, and it's also because it's there with the Dudleys, right? The Mrs. Dudley's yep. daughter dies, Mrs. Dudley's daughter dies, I did a tongue twister, uh, because <laughs> she is trying to protect her from the world, that she is trying so hard that she doesn't realize that by doing so, she has just led her straight to slaughter, essentially. Yep. Um, oh, that whole thing oh is really God. upsetting. Yeah. Um, when I think I, I think I realized that a little, a little late. I think I had to be hit on the head with it a little bit. The whole Abigail reveal. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Um, I, it, this was when on rewatch, it was to me. Okay, it's totally there. Like, and the the other big twist too, the yeah. twist of the room, right? The red room being the treehouse oh, and being this and that. I actually did really like that. Me too, because because and rewatching it, I realized like, oh no! Every time somebody says, "I'll be in my reading room" or in the family room, another character says, "What?" or "Reading room?" Yeah, and it's it just goes away. But like, it was always there. Um, but with Abigail, I feel like I didn't believe it. I think I think like. As you're, as the, you know, she drinks it and you're like, oh, okay, wait, no, that, she, that didn't really, that didn't, what? Like, I think it does because it's such a hard thing to cross over because also the styling of her is so out of whack and ghostly that I really like, I think until the Dudley showed up, did I accept that, oh no, that's a real kid. Yeah, it. I I don't remember the exact moment, but I suddenly I know that I was like, oh God, Abigail's real. Oh God, like it just was yeah. so much. It was too much, well, and I again like kind of like with the Nell thing, yeah. I didn't want it to be true. Right, right. Like no, 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 no. This isn't what we're doing. This isn't happening because it all clicked. Right, and was and then you remember everything the Dudleys had said about their kid, and yes. you remember everything Luke had said about Abigail, Abigail and, and it's like, like oh, she wears. She wears weird old, old clothes, clothes, and yeah. you're like, okay, she weird old clothes. Like, got that weird little Debbie haircut. But, oh my gosh, exactly. Like, uh oh, and it was all right there, well, and I, it was, it, yeah. You're, you're, in hindsight, it feels very obvious. Well, I think now that I'm thinking back, I think what happened was I think I feel like I figured out Abigail was the Dudley's daughter, but I thought she was dead. I thought hmm. she was always dead. I thought when they talk about their daughter that died. That, oh, no, they never had another daughter. That, that, that was always a ghost child. Or, it, like, a Virginia Woolf type thing where they just always talked about this as as their daughter. And but so even when she showed up, I'm like, oh, right, that's, that, that's Abigail Dudley. But I didn't, I just could not believe she was real until he walks in and looks at her and is like, oh, my God, my wife just killed a child. Because I just, no, 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 Abigail's not real. Abigail's ghost. Abigail's not real. Abigail's real? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, yeah it it was that was a tough one. It wasn't it wasn't 
I don't know. It, it, it wasn't a Nell level, but it definitely it's felt... It's upsetting, yeah, oh, and surprising. And almost like I felt cheated, but not like, not like Mike Flanagan did something wrong or they did a bad job, but I felt cheated because all of a sudden this adorable, sweet little girl that's been hanging out with Luke is real, right. and she's fucking dead. Yes. Great. Okay, cool. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, well, apparently, so... Um... <laughs> I was reading um, an inter- a couple of interviews with Mike Flanagan, and there's one that comes up that I think is, like, <laughs> really telling, both to maybe the original intent of the show and then to, like, where Mike Flanagan was with it. So he talks about the ending, because of the interview where it kind of asked him, like, about, you know, like, ending kind of on a positive note, right? Which the show does. I mean, there's, you know, Nell is dead, Hugh is dead, Nell is kind of stuck hanging out with her parents for eternity, which kind of sucks right Mm -hmm. um but ultimately like it is presented as a happy-ish ending right you have four children who blatantly address their mistakes and head on kind of say like okay i am i'm look i'm gonna be different i'm gonna make different decisions i'm you know i'm i'm clean i am coming clean to my wife i'm coming clean to my husband all of that um but apparently mike flanagan said in the interview uh, we toyed with the idea for a little while that over the over that last monologue, uh, over the f- picture of the family together, we would put the red room window in the background. For a while, that was the plan. Maybe they never got out of that room. The night we came to shoot it, I sat up in bed and I felt guilty about it. I felt like it was cruel. That surprised me. I'd come to love the characters so much that I wanted them to be happy. I came into work and said, I don't want to put the window up. I think it's mean and unfair. Once that gear had kicked in, I wanted to lean in as far as to that direction as possible. We'd, we've been on this journey for 10 hours. A few minutes of hope was important to me. Can you imagine and, it ending and like yes, catching because that that's window? The movie that, that's, that's the ending that it should have had. Uh, the <sighs> ending is, this is my, this is my gut reaction yeah. as somebody who tells stories and likes to have stories told to them. That move, that sh- movie, that show ended improperly. <laughs> From what we had seen in the in the previous hours, mm. it felt wrong. That being said, as hollow and weird as that last episode seems, I still feel like it's a bit of a dipsy doodle because that house is fucking evil and it fucking traps people there. And it did that thing to Nell and yeah. it fooled her into going in there. And it, it it's a terrible, awful place. And Abigail got stuck there and all that shit. And that house won. That fucking house won. It got what it wants. It, it didn't still get has everything people it getting fed to it. It got a lot of what it wanted. And I read something where the very handsome actor who played adult Luke. Oh yeah, um, he was on um, said, Emerald City as a scarecrow, and I remember watching the show and being like, "That guy's hot. He's oh. like a he's like a, scr- a, a rougher Clive Owen." Yeah, I saw some of Emerald City. I don't really remember anybody from it though. It, it's um, kind of terrible. He but it's had great. said. Yeah, I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't stick stick no, out. It's I tried. Like, it's not it's very good, good, but it's really pretty, and then it gets better as it goes, and yeah. gets a little zany, and so on. It seemed interesting, but I don't know. But he's. I think he's a very handsome man. But he had said every time somebody's in the red in the red room, something on their person is red that usually isn't. And he used the example of like Luke's converse are not red, oh. and then red when he's in the room. I didn't notice and, that. Apparently, apparently in the flashes again. I didn't watch the last episode again. Sorry, everybody. Mm. Um, in the in the end episode, I, I at least know for sure Luke's cake 
is red. Yes, yes, you were right about so that. So they had said, Ooh. so, but apparently there are other things too. I, apparently that theory oh. has been skewered a little bit and okay. isn't accurate, but still there's something, the, to me the ending feels so out of place to the rest of the, the show that it doesn't ring true for me, whether that's intentional or yeah. not is fine. And mm. even said though, to speak to you, what you just read, yeah. um, I even said to Zach, I wonder if he fell in love with those characters and couldn't hurt them. Yeah. I because think. that thing that happens. Yeah. And it's a, you know, it's one of those cases. I, I know this has come up a few times over the last year or two where both you and I have said this about different movies of, you know, the last couple of years have been a harder time in the United States where bleak, mean endings really hurt. And they can really sour you and just, you know, turn a movie for me now. Whereas it used to be I can kind of like, okay, that ended dark, good choice or what. And occasionally they yeah. are it's the right decision, but it doesn't mean it's the decision um it it's it's like a mix of do you end in a way like, and the witch was an example of that the vavitch right where it could have ended without that final scene and with that final scene mm-hmm. it skews it it specifically into this kind of ending which i think is a happy ending <laughs> um and mm-hmm. i think to myself if it had been a little more ambiguous it probably would have been a better movie but I personally wouldn't have felt as satisfied because I wanted something so badly for this character and the movie ultimately gives it to me and maybe I didn't deserve it. Maybe I should maybe yeah. I should have been more trusted to not to have kept it in a way where it could have gone a certain, you know, bleaker or or not as conclusive. I think the same mm-hmm. can be said about Hill House where uh, you're right, you didn't need to end on this very wholesome sort of feeling of okay things aren't perfect but everything is going to be okay for these four people you're right I think maybe and I kind of like now that there was these hints of red that I didn't even see because it does kind of let me say like okay well if I want to think they're stuck in the room they are stuck in the room because he gave me the clue but Mm -hmm. I I agree with Mike Flanagan that it would have been so painful for these four people that I had come to really love and root for to have had to suffer like that forever. Yeah. No, I agree. And uh, like, I wasn't, I wasn't, I know some people were like pissed at the ending. I was angry at it or anything, but I, I was, and I am a bit not nihilistic and negative as as it is. So I tend to skew towards those endings. Um, I was just like, oh, this is not. And even there's like music where there hadn't been music yeah, with lyrics. Yeah. It just felt it felt incongruous. I guess it didn't mm-hmm. feel like the same thing. Yeah, um, I I can't disagree um, because I you're right, and you are certainly in the majority i think on that everything i have read um and i haven't gone i haven't read like a lot of reviews i've read more interviews but i've i've read a few where i know consensus has been kind of yeah the ending feels a little tonally inconsistent and maybe it just doesn't end on quite the note that the show had warranted um 
Mm-hmm. But I know on a personally, like, it would have been really painful and upsetting yeah, for if sure. it had ended the other way. And and that's the the thing too about um a TV verse movies verse books, I think. Right? On um with a movie you can uh I mean a movie is what, ninety minutes to two and a half hours. You can tell a story, mm-hmm. you can upset me, you can do all these things. But I have spent 10 hours with these people as children and grown-ups. And to to slam the door in their face at the end would have been emotionally so much harder than the end of the movie Haunting of Hill House where Nell, you know, what happens to Nell. It's different, I think, mm-hmm. for a TV show. It And, and it, again, like, I, I know that I'm going kind of against popular opinion and kind of also blatant like I'm aware that I'm not wrong but like I'm aware that yes would have been a more powerful show or maybe more honest show if it went darker at the end but I glad it didn't (laughs) I, I I agree I'm not I'm not ever gonna like if the person making it wanted to do that ending, there's a reason. And at this yeah. point, I really do, as, as cliche as it might sound, I do trust Mike Flanagan. Oh, yeah. So, like, if this is the ending, it's the ending. Yeah. Um, and we know he can but go also with dark endings. I mean, Oculus has a very dark, ap- yeah. but perfectly appropriate ending. And I wouldn't... And I remember when we talked about that and thinking, like, like it's a hard ending. You get to the ending and you're like, oh, man... But you're like you're also realize that that it couldn't have ended any other way. With this show, I don't know. It could have ended a lot of other ways, and I, I don't. Maybe it didn't pick the right one, but it picked one that didn't make me sad. Yeah, and I'm fine with it. And I, I don't know. I like I said, I trust him. So yeah, whether it's whether it's a fake out or mm-hmm. it's what really happened, that's the the choice he he felt he needed to make, and. I don't think it undermines the rest of the show at all. Yeah. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't, like, you don't, it doesn't happen and you're not like, well, that just ruined everything. Episode five is as good as it it was, whether it ends this way or the other way. Yeah. Um, A few other random pieces of trivia or theories I picked up. Uh, One theory, um, I saw this on BuzzFeed, but it wasn't originally on BuzzFeed. It was originally somewhere else. I can't credit who because I didn't pay attention. But it was um, kind of a interesting theory of looking, of matching the five children to the five stages of guilt, which goes in order. So you have denial, which is Stephen, anger, which is Shirley, mm-hmm. bargaining, which is Luke. I guess the idea of, you know... Um, do drugs instead of this or just like trading in your body for this freedom um depression or no depression would be luke bargaining would be theo depression would be luke and acceptance being Nell. which was an like i mean i i don't know that that was it there but i think that's an interesting way of looking at it Uh, and i mean there is you know we have a good chunk of time spent to luke looking at the steps of recovery right and that kind of being a big plot point so perhaps that's mm-hmm. there um i on on the lines of coping mechanisms i really like uh 
so Shirley's the stuff with Shirley and her family I like um I like that that half of the show is filmed in a funeral home because I just think visually Mm -hmm. it's really neat looking and is familiar but unfamiliar because it's a home but it's not a home and something about that that's just really interesting um and I like the the her kids are fun I think the scene the kid, oh not enough of them not right? enough of them yeah because the little girl is so cute and it's really the scene with her and theo at the dinner table is adorable and the scene so of cute. um the son's constant wanting to be daredevil <laughs> like all that stuff i thought was it's it's funny it's really funny I, so that's in the that's in the second episode re- yeah which is one of them and then it I comes back in the Halloween rewatching episode. it i was like I was like, why? Why does? Why isn't there ever like a return to this level of child? Yeah. Because they're they're great. They are, and they do come back in the episode where they go trick or treating. You see that he does just do the daredevil like early years mask, where it's just the head wrap without uh-huh. an actual mask. So it's like it's that stuff's fun, and I like um, <laughs> the the episode, the funeral episode where Theo is getting drunk, and everybody's oh, my god, that episode's so good. Because something else that I really like about that is it very much does, again, feel like, you know, it when, um, and I haven't been to many funerals, we we haven't thankfully lost many people in my family, but when you lose somebody, you tend to just do that. You just talk about them and you start telling stories about it. And that whole sequence of Stephen's coping mechanism just being telling these few stories that he remembers from this one summer and Theo for Theo, it's just annoying and she can't take it. Um, And so they, you know, they all have their different ways of dealing with that. And then Kevin, Shirley's uh, husband who keeps kind of coming in and offering everybody food (laughs) and Theo's comment of like Kevin's coping coping mechanisms that he turns into a waiter and I'm watching it. And then both times I paused it, I looked at Brandon and I'm like, that's me. (laughs) Cause that's, Anytime there's something like that, if I'm in a situation where it's hard and like all I want to do is offer, and this is also probably like the Italian thing, like all I want to do is mm-hmm. make sure people have food or drinks, yeah, because then I can do something and I can make sure because it's something are you can do and control and yeah. make, you can make people feel good or comfortable. Yes, yep. right. Somebody walks in and the you know it's awkward. You don't know what to do. So the first thing I'm going to do is, oh, by the way, the bathrooms are over here. Let me take your coat. Do you want water? Let me get you water. What kind of water do you want? Like. Yeah, I get that. And there's nothing wrong with being a waiter in that situation. Uh, And one other uh, thing that I thought was really cute is that, so um, Kate Siegel, who plays Theo, uh, who's married to Mike Flanagan, Mm -hmm. um, during filming, she discovered she was pregnant. So she's pregnant for most of this filming. And apparently, like... Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, but she jokes about it, like, how... (laughs) I think, like, I don't know at what point they both figured it out, but, like, there were scenes of, you know, her having to get, like, thrown on the ground and joking and saying, like, oh, yeah, so now I... Now, like... When our daughter is growing up, we can tell her how, you know, daddy pushed mom during pregnancy. Um, But guess what she named her daughter? I don't know what. Theodora. Oh, really? Yeah. I think it's very cute. Um, And That is very cute. And something else that the show, you know, obviously does that I think, and I I mean, I think does it well and does it in a way that, you know, you want to see it done, which is Theo is gay. And it's very much a part of her character, but it's never um, defining in any way where it's, oh, 
right, these things happened because of this, or, you know, this was a big part of her. Like, no, she, like, who knows what process she went through in accepting it or, you know, uh, coming out and everything, but, like, it's just there, and it's it's cool. It is cool. It's very well done, I thought. Yeah. And the scene of the wedding, and um, (gasps) Nell and Steven watching Shirley figure it out. It's so great. Yep. So funny. It's just, Because there's genuine, like moments of like like good humor and and in very genuinely funny situations and lines and deliveries it it really adds depth to it and it helps you care more for these characters you know yeah because you i mean you buy them as siblings and it's not that they are the closest siblings um and again they all clearly have different relationships with each other and you get the sense that nell is the one who has a relationship with all four of them and mm-hmm. uh and again like that's something i know like for my family like the four of us don't all get along at the same level as all of us and i know i have a i'm close to yeah. all my siblings they're not all close to each other and you you get enough of that on the show where it's again it's just believable and you buy it and it's funny and it's warm and it just makes you care and it means you know that's why we don't want to see the red room in the last scene <laughs> Mm. I don't. I don't want to be stuck with my siblings in a room forever. My God, that would be hell. Right? <laughs> yes, I, I, I agree. I have a unique take on that. Um, I so I think it's fair to say that you really liked this. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. No, I. Um, yeah. It was like after the third episode. I think when it when it ended, Brandon looked at me and he said. The show is so good that it makes me angry. Because <laughs> yeah. his response was like, because why isn't every show making these decisions and doing these things right the way this show is? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't think it's perfect, but um, man, it's really good. It does so many things right. I agree. It does do a lot of things right. Um, I will say I don't necessarily under again i i like and trust mike flanagan um i don't know why he needed to use hill house as Mm. the backdrop for this story because it is so it's different not just in structure and not just in characters but also in themes there um i would argue there are very few if any similar themes fair Um, yeah so I, I don't know, and again, not mad about it, at, like I was, but I don't know, I don't get why. Like, why? Well, I think there's probably two answers to that. One is, I don't know that, and I can't remember, I wish I could because I've read some of the interviews with him on it. I don't know that Mike Flanagan said, I want to make a TV show of Hill House. It may have been that Netflix came to him and said hey, we want to make, we want somebody to make a TV show of Hill House, or we want to make a remake of Hill House. And he said, okay, what can I do with that? And I think from, and I do think that's the way it worked. I don't think it was him saying, I want to take Hill House and make it a family drama. I think it was, I was asked to make Hill House, what could I do with it? And I don't want to do the book, because that was already done into a movie, and it's a great movie, and there's no reason to do that again. Um what else can I pull from that and what other stories can I tell? And you're right. I mean, there's surface references, certainly, right? I mean, the characters' names, obviously. Um, 
the there's passages right there's um the opening yeah. chunk when Olivia's child kind mm-hmm. of fantasizing about this about you know being a fortune teller like that's from, like pulled straight from the book cup of stars is pulled from the book like there's a mm-hmm. lot of kind of surfacey references and such um but i'm guessing it's a case more where this was the way he could tell this story and so i think it was i think he kind of did what he could to respect and reference hill house right like at you know at one point theo is reading the lottery by shirley jackson like there's things in there that are sort of just like kind of nodding and winking but it's it's just not Hill House, and I I think that's okay. It doesn't bother me, but it it and it doesn't bother me so much as it's not what the story's about. So like, I wish that he could have just made this and had it been what it was. Because I and I said to I said to Zach very early on, I said, oh, anytime something doesn't hit your ear right, it's because it's being pulled directly from the book. Mm, that's um, fair. And I actually read that in another article, which I was like, look at me being all smart. Yeah. But there are, there are lines that just don't fit. And uh, rewatching, I did rewatch those two episodes, but I think it's the second episode where you get um, introduced to Mrs. Dudley. Yes. Um, Annabeth Gish. So she says 45 times completely out of context in the night in the dark and it's a very creepy awesome line in the book that's delivered at a very appropriate time that i feel like just isn't in this at all she says it again in a different episode Mm. i don't know why she says it so much it seems real weird when she says it well i think the dudleys in general are and do and i was trying to figure it out the first time watching it like they're giving very strange performances in a sense and you know you kind of get this not just through them but through other characters too like each episode sort of has a monologue delivered by a character that does feel a little written at times Mm -hmm. and anytime they're speaking it totally does and it, it it works for me in the end because it's i think it's kind of part of them being so out of time that they kind of have to be also in order to, for that Abigail twist to work so well. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I could, I see what you're saying. And I think for me, I was able to kind of take it and turn it into, Oh, this is working this way because of this, but <clears throat> I can see your point. And, and I will be the first to admit that I'm, I'm precious about that book. Mm-hmm. And that book specifically, but you know, also Shirley Jackson in general. I am very. My first instinct was like they erased her. They <laughs> erased her. Like that's where I'm coming from because people. I mean, she tends to get erased and overlooked. And this is a pretty high profile. So a pretty high profile piece of media. That yes, her name is at the beginning. Yes, plenty of articles or people talking about it or writing about it say this is Shirley, Shirley Jackson's book. But the first episode, dude wrote a, wrote the book. They said, no, Shirley didn't write that book. Stephen Crane wrote this book. Also, this is a world in which the lottery exists. So <laughs> Shirley Jackson exists, but she didn't, but she didn't write, write Hill House. House. It's it's just weird. And here's a question. Like, and I again, I. 
Yes. Would you have felt the same initial kind of defensiveness if the character of Shirley, whether Shirley was Stephen, let's say oldest child is named Shirley and is female and the second child is named Stephen and is a funeral director and is male and Shirley is the writer and the book was written by Shirley Jackson and this is Shirley Jackson. Would that have made you, do you think that would have solved that for you? I think there would have been other problems from that, but I just wonder if the male yeah. rewriting of that was part of it for you. It definitely was. Mm-hmm. It definitely was. Um, I, Look, there was a lot of, again, I, I don't know. Let's name this episode, Christine Trusts Mike Flanagan. Like, I got it. <laughs> I, I really do trust him. But there was just some things that were confusing, like the naming conventions. Like, Hugh Crane is the, is the dude mm-hmm. whose house it was. Right. Like, it's weird that that's the dad. Like, it's weird that Nell and Theo and Luke are characters that come to Hill House but in this they're siblings also with somebody named Shirley who wrote the book it's just like it was just strange choices for me which again it doesn't sully the end product it just makes me go huh sure I wish maybe this had just been something completely different (laughs) I gotcha I gotcha Um, but I liked it I liked it a lot Um, I, I don't have I don't have a lot of negative things to say about it I think that while it's not perfect, what 10 hours yeah. of anything ever is going to be 100% perfect to any human. Like, it's impossible. But I think overall, I I hope that Mike Flanagan feels like his objective, what he set out to do, was accomplished. Mm-hmm. Because I got a lot out of it. Me too. Yeah. Did you... Um get as affected by episode eight's jump scare as the rest of the world, including me and Prannon. Eight is the, when, when a couple of characters, different, when, when Hugh and Steven are driving to Hill house and so are Shirley and Theo and they're arguing and they're just in the car and out of nowhere, Nell's ghost face comes and screams. Oh <gasps> yes, yeah. that I was am, terrifying. I mean, I am not a jump scare person. I I'm not saying I'm that. totally immune to them. That. Really good ones can get me, but like, I, I generally jump scares don't don't get me. And that is the one of the best jump scares I've seen in years. Oh, so good. And then the yeah, o- I forgot that. Oh god, so completely. Good. Yeah, and I'm rewatch when I rewatch that episode again. I was like. I knew it was coming and I was kind of like, I think I was either reading email or doing something like, and I had one eye on the TV and one eye on my computer. And I was like, Oh God, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. I know it's coming. Oh God, there it is. Like it still got me. Cause it's, it's how you do a jump scare, which is you do, Cause yeah. the, the other thing. Um, so there's, a, you know, a lot of it's on the internet. So you can find it pretty easily now, but there's this whole hidden ghost thing throughout the show, mm-hmm. right? Where every single episode if basically you move your eye a little bit off a character, you're going to see there is a ghost behind them. There is a hand under the table. There is a profile of somebody right there. There is somebody watching them through the glass. There's somebody at the window. And once you see it, it, it is really creepy. And then you just constantly look for it because you're constantly on edge thinking yeah. you just need to keep looking over somebody's shoulder for it. And it's it's really effective. I definitely got a little obsessed where I was like, not necessarily looking at it, at what the character talking because I was like behind them. I think something's behind them. Something's going to be behind them. If it's not behind them now, it's going to be behind them in a minute. <laughs> and that 
scene, it's such a great example because you're not looking for hidden ghosts. You're in a car. There's no room for yeah. a hidden ghost. They're just two characters having this very emotional, sisterly, screaming argument built on 35 years of being sisters. And out of nowhere, this thing comes. And it is blah, so good. It is. I, I, I don't. I can't believe I don't didn't remember that at all. I don't know. Um, I think parts of it I kind of have dislodged from my brain because mm-hmm. it didn't sit well. Sure. I mean, <laughs> hey, we didn't even get to the 1920s style flapper ghost. So, oh man, there. Zach was saying he read something about like Mike Flanagan said he wanted to explore all the other ghosts and explain lots of origins and stuff. Like uh, that can be its own series. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah, it. I think it loses it a little bit at that point, um, but it it's also creepy. Like I think I think aspects of it work, but I again like the last two episodes aren't aren't I think quite at the same level as the as the first bunch. But uh, yeah, and that that could be again supposedly there may be a season two that might have nothing to do with Hill House or might be Hill House a different generation. So. Who knows? It'd be mm-hmm. interesting to see. Obviously, and again, another reason I think we both tr- probably trust Mike Flanagan is that clearly his actors do, because he keeps using yeah. the same actors who keep coming back to him, um, mm-hmm. and both children and adults. And I think that's also very telling and interesting. And I love that you have the two Shirleys play mother and daughter in Ouija too. Which is, again, just, like, kind of, like, oh, that's that's really appropriate that you would do that. Um, yeah. And they all look like they could be a family, which I really appreciate, too. They do. Yeah. It, the fact that he clearly has an aesthetic um, came came into good use yes. when he got to reuse everybody as a family. <laughs> it helps, definitely. Yeah. All right. Do you have any more to say about The Haunting of Hill House? I don't think so. I've already aired my grievances mm-hmm. and um, said the things that I will never stop thinking about, even sure. if I wanted to. So yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, no, I think I, I think I hit most of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think by this point, I hope everybody listening has already watched the show because otherwise, you heard us tell you almost everything about it. Uh, but yeah, if you haven't, watch it. <laughs> it's pretty damn good, even if it's not perfect. It's definitely. It's definitely worth the investment of time. Yeah. All right. So uh, that was The Haunting of Hill House. Christine, do you have a Netflix or Instant or whatever streaming service recommend? I have an Amazon Prime recommend. I know. Getting fancy. Um, Also, if you don't have Amazon Prime, I'm pretty sure you can just get this from Redbox if you want to watch it, um, because you should watch it. It's called Destination Wedding. Destination Wedding? Keanu Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder. Okay, okay. Um, Um, I I can see people not liking it. But I loved it. I think Married with Clickers. I don't think. I think they did too. Okay, yeah, they either covered this or spoke very kindly about it. Is it what genre is it? It is like kind of like a a dark 
comedy, not dark like anybody gets murdered or anything, mm-hmm. but like it's witty and and but like the humor is very dry and okay. shitty. It's very very quick. The delivery is deadpan. I could see you, not you, but like a person really responding poorly to it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I loved it though. It worked. It worked for me. Um, I think they're both great in it. So okay, cool. I have added it to my queue. Um, so mine, I already said dumpling because it is so good and it will make everybody happy <laughs> you and you did. should all watch it. Um, but so the, to give you another surprise, I'm going to add to that also on Netflix, a movie I am wildly curious for you to watch and get back to me on. And I'm sure I'm not the only person that said that. And that is Cam. Yeah. So I didn't know it was written by a sex worker. Yeah, so it now was I'm going to actually a, watch it. Yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, it's, it's a good movie. It's, it's, it's an interesting, it's, it is a setup you've kind of seen before if you've seen enough internet horror movies, but it's done differently. Um, it is, the lead actress is fantastic. Uh, and it, I think th- there's some really great, I just read a really good interview with the writer that I'll post on our page when I put this up. Um, watch it, read it after you watch it. But it's the more I kind of read about this, and the more I learn about um, the woman that wrote it, the more I like this movie. Because the more I see what mm. she did and how it is, how it kind of does take a lot of your expectations based on oh, well, it's a, it's a horror movie about a cam girl. Of course, terrible things are going to happen to her. And what it, how it plays on that, and how it doesn't tell the story the way you expect it to be told. Um, is really interesting. So I think you should watch that. I'm going to have to watch it. I was 100% out. The yeah. second I saw it pop up, I'm like, done, never going to yep. watch yep. it ever, 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 burn it. And then I was like, oh, wait, actually, I'll let me look into this and get some, some facts. And I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, and I think when you watch it, I think you will be. And then I think once you see more about some of what went on, in the decisions made, I think you're going to be like, oh, oh, how interesting. So I need your thoughts on it. I'm like very excited for you to watch it. Oh, okay. I will. I'll, I'll watch it before we record again. Excellent. Excellent. And on that note, so are you good with the movie I, I picked that I know you're a fan I of? I am. I'm so good. Okay. I'm so good. All right. So, um, so I don't know. We, we haven't decided yet if we're going to pair it with something or not. But so uh, there's a movie that Christine always talks about. And it's like, every time we do this, what I've been watching, Christine brings this movie up. I'm like, you watch that again? And you say, yeah, it's so bad. I can't stop it. Um, so therefore, when I saw it come on Netflix, I'm like, you know what? I kind of want to watch this movie that Christine's always talking about. And it is Lake House, also starring Keanu Reeves. Woo-hoo! All I know is it's some kind of weird romance with with time travel and a house. I don't know, um, but it's, I know it's you, weird. You apparently, can't stop watching it, so I'm gonna make you watch it again. I think I've only seen it twice. I, <laughs> you know, the impression it must have left on you is pretty big because clearly it left an impression on oh, me. Oh, it's so. I love movies that are like genre jumpers mm. and you're like what the fuck movie is this now nice nice. i had no idea when that movie when that movie got released i had no fucking idea it was about that because it just looks like a standard ro- like rom-com right, right, right. Ca- kind of thing or like a november oh man i can't movie. Yeah. talk about it all right so yes, that's, that's gonna be exactly. next episode uh until then folks come to facebook to talk about hill house and whatever else you want to talk about uh and 
I don't know. I guess stay out of the red room, right? Oh, or go into it. I what would know. your red Do room you? be, by the way? Like a dance Some, studio? I don't know. I like, I like the uh, the reading room, so probably something like that. Mm, yeah. That'd quiet nice. and dark. Yeah, quiet and dark. Um, a puppy room or maybe a cheese room for me. Like a room where you go and eat cheese, I think, would be mine. Like it's always like that weird time at a, at a mid-grade hotel where they have yes. wine and cheese out, yes. but it's just you. I get there and like there should be other people there, but nobody else showed up. And then the concierge had to go take a call. So I'm left alone with the cheese and wine. They have so much and you're the only one there. So you have to and eat And then I all. feel bad because like somebody brought all this cheese and a lot of cow's stomachs were scraped for it. So I feel like it's my duty to not let it go to waste. And then before I know it, I'm trapped there forever with my parents um, and a 1920s flapper. And I just got to go with it, which I can. I'm, I'm adaptable. I, I have faith that you can adapt in the face of anything I when can, there's cheese involved. Cheese. And again, maybe puppies. Uh, all right, folks. But for I mean, for the rest of you, stay out because there might not be cheese in there. Or don't go in because then we're going to have to fight over the cheese. And that's a whole different. Then, yeah, then it becomes like the movie be Raise, right? Where it's like fight to the death with your hands. Yeah. Could get very complicated. Yeah, don't go in. I don't know. Don't go in. It's it's mine. Okay. On that note, later, folks.
still a chair Even when there's no one sitting there 